Hey everybody, welcome to episode 29 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason One-Eyed Dumbass Demon Minimal, and I'm joined again by special guest, Cameron the Red Sinclair. What's going on? So, anyway, um, we're going to do something, we're calling it uh, Wolverine Year 2. And what's that, you ask? Well, it's almost as obvious as it sounds. Basically, we're going to take the second year of Wolverine's publishing existence and kind of break it down for you a little bit. Because honestly, I was a little remiss because the last flashback episode we did, ending with the X-Men 95, I didn't really realize that that marked the one-year anniversary of Wolverine's first appearance. So, that said, before we get into these issues for his second year, I want to kind of highlight real briefly his first year kind of the big peaks so uh here's kind of what i had and can't really feel free to, to jump in or, or add on as you desire all right so in year one we got weapon x we got the news of mutant we got the news canadian we got the news five five <laughs> we got the uh, then he has adamantium claws we got that he has a bad attitude then he's tough and snarky but loyal so that kind of combo. His powers in year one are feral in nature, including heightened senses, as uh, shown by his tracking ability. He has retractable claws are part of his power. We got a snicked, an above, and a maneuver seven, which later becomes the fastball special. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to throw in there? We also got... Oh, I just lost it. Oh, okay. I had it in my, I had it in my head. All right. <laughs> well, um, we ran out of our uh, our intro music before the intro was over, so um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to keep going? There you go. All right. So that's the music. All right. Cool. Well, so we're basically going to um, do kind of quick overviews. Oh, the Berserker Rage. The beginning of the Berserker Rage. They don't call it that yet, but there was an oh, issue right, where, right, 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 right. where he turned tur- the screen, the panel turns red, and he, he can't stop himself. That was the other. That was what I was thinking. Okay, of. was that in the issues though, or was that in the uh, the classic? I thought it was in the issues. Okay, all right. Cool. I could be wrong, but I thought that was in the. Well, issues. We're gonna get a little more defined here in this episode, anyway. So that'll be cool. But um, I've just ruined the whole first few minutes of this episode. That's okay. <laughs> oh well. All right, wait, wait, we're going to... Start over again. <laughs> From the top. From the top. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Okay, so we're going to start off, of course, with X-Men number 96. This is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Dave Cockrum, inked by Sam Granger, letters by Dave Hunt, Colors are Elaine Lee. And uh, you said there was a a plot assist by who? Yeah, the the original one I have here says a digital copy of the original one. Right. I don't want to sound like yeah. I'm really yeah. awesome. <laughs> the, the you colorist don't have to is, disclaimer that. You can just let everybody think you got a this whole This one says the colorist is Phil Rachelson. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Marv Wolfman is the editor. But I guess he's always the editor in this period. Yeah, it says a, a plotting assist from boisterous Bill Mantlo, whoever that Bill is. Bill Mantlo, okay. He was, a, he was a Marvel guy back in the 70s. 
Yeah. Obviously. That's since he's there. I'm glad you pointed that out because I was <laughs> kind of thinking he'd gone back in time. Right. All right. So um, we'll start about the cover. The cover by Dave Cockrum has a one-eyed purple people eater, um, but he has two horns. So he that he totally looks like he's from Monsters Inc. From Pixar's Monsters. Yeah, it kind of does. Okay. A little bit meaner, but like a slightly meaner version of a Monsters, Inc. Especially the eyeball and the horns. Yes. And the pointy tongue. It's right out of a Pixar movie. The snake tongue. Yeah. Anyway, he's uh, fighting the X-Men. He's breaking through a green wall. And it's the night of the demon. But if the X-Men can't defeat it, it may be the last night of the world. So that's what that is. So right, basically what we have, the, the quick synopsis of 96 is Cyclops throws a fit and it frees the demon. <laughs> Storm flies back and destroys the stone, thus destroying the demon. And somewhere in the middle of that, we are introduced to Project Armageddon. All right, so that's my summary. <laughs> Good summary. All right, so uh, let's kind of just go over the things that we thought were weird or funny or awesome or whatever. Um, so we open up to page one, and we have a squirrel butt <laughs> right in our face. I'm glad it's not a skunk, because I feel like we were getting sprayed. That's true. And it's a fat squirrel, too. It's not like a regular yeah. squirrel. They Looks like they've clearly drawn him to have a large belly and a really thick neck. Yeah, yeah, he does. I don't know if his neck's supposed to be thick, or he's supposed to have, like, tufts. Maybe. But I don't know. It definitely he's was really like, looking at. He's really eyeballing Cyclops. Yes, he is. Cyclops. He was skulking through the forest. Yeah. All right. So, um, page three. Oh, what was I? Oh, because so it looks like Cyclops can hear the narr- narrator. Yeah, it's like, like he's arguing with him. Yeah, <laughs> he's arguing with the the third person or the the narrator there. So he's like. Can you, Cyclops? No. Can you? No. Can you? No. You know. And then, of course, he shoots his his optic blast in the middle of nowhere and starts our whole story. I think it's weird that he doesn't notice the giant obelisk. Or whatever that is. Is that called an obelisk? I think that's an obelisk. Uh, a cairn? Or cairn. They is call the it a cairn. But isn't What's that... It, what isn't is an obelisk? Thing? Obelisk? Oh, that's what that... One of those, like a... Like the Washington Monument. Oh, the 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 um, sculpture fallacies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because that's what this looks like. Oh yeah, okay. But it's got all the the writings on it. Yeah. Anyway, the the we either way. We actually see it whole. We always see it. Um... Well, on the next on the page, on page uh, six, it looks like he's standing right next to it. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> And then it even starts glowing and smoking. Yeah, yeah. But Cyclops doesn't know. He doesn't seem to. He's too uh, self-loathing about uh, personal. Like he killed Thunderbird because he did shoot him with an optic blast. Oh wait, no, he didn't. No, he did not. (laughs) All he did was. Oh, you don't really do anything. Which I guess that's probably maybe that's what he's mad about. Right, because he wasn't paying attention. He was trying to fix the machine that he didn't know was already fixed. Right. And Professor X at the last minute came and made him feel guilty. Yeah. I personally I blame Professor X. I, I do too. But anyway, Cyclops is mad he's he has an inner voice. He's going schizo on us. 
right, so I, I have on uh, page five that Colossus hits Wolverine full strength. When he doesn't get hurt, he just gets mad. So that, that was interesting. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. We also have a misspelled snicked. Oh, no. Yeah. How could they do that to us? S-N-I-C-K-T. Um, we're still the Wolverine. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And uh, he tries to kill Nightcrawler. Yeah, it looks so like I thought, he does. thought that was interesting. He actually, like, he went after him, claws fully extended. And had he not uh, teleported, Nightcrawler would be no more. And then Banshee shows up looking like Ahab from Moby Dick. Smoking yes. a giant pipe. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. And then uh, Banshee also obviously has a giant crush on Warren McTaggart. Very quickly. Uh, I thought it was interesting on page seven and eight, kind of the, the witch hunt idea with the Project Armageddon and the two kind of opposing ideologies between the, the Major and the, uh, the what's his name? Yes. What yeah, the this? witch hunt. Uh, yeah, what's this guy's name? Colonel Ross is the guy that dies. You're talking about the... Michael? Yeah. Michael something, right? I don't see else who his last name is, but... Okay. Anyway, um... And then... I, I don't, don't think it says anything but Michael. Cut that out. Wait, let's back up just a, for a second. Yeah, please. <clears throat> Um, Moira McTaggart is she is she Irish too or Scottish Scottish okay because I always thought she was Scottish but then in this it, it, they write her talking just like they write Banshee's talking well they're all the same right <laughs> well, they're pretty similar but I don't know I didn't I was like it kind of gave the impression that she was supposed to be Irish or the same but I guess not right so the classic X-Men, I didn't realize this. Besides the backup stories, there's also some um, bonus scenes that Cochran redrew into the books. Oh, interesting. Anyways, so in this one, we get a, uh, a sneak peek of Wolverine out of costume. And in this panel, you can see he looks more Irish than a Banshee. He looks like a leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, he does. But we're going to ignore that because later we'll actually see him for the first time out of costume and continuity. So we're going to ignore that part. Um, on my page 11, we have Wolverine playing tic-tac-toe with one claw, Professor X's nice wooden table. Yeah. It's um, 15 in the original. Okay. And then um, on the next page, Wolverine uh, has yellow gloves. Is that miscolored in your copy or no? The scene right before the demon shows up. Cyclops busts through the wall. Wolverine's running after him. Yeah, no, they're blue. Oh, okay. For whatever reason of mine, they're in the classic X when they're they're yellow. Whoever so that artist, the, that colorist, is different. Blew it. All right, so from he this did. Colorist. He blew it. All right. Yeah, because your demon is red and it's purple in here. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I have the page where Wolverine really fights the demon. I thought was really cool, and we kind of get the first hint of a berserker rage in his past. Yeah, and he goes. He goes just butt crazy on this demon. Yeah, and, well, uh, that's. I don't know if that's the first one, but. And he goes, yar. He goes ten years of psycho training, a hypnotism, a drug therapy, ten years of praying, and I cut it into pieces without a thought. 
Nothing changes, prof. I thought I'd learn to control myself. I guess I was wrong. And you want to know something funny? I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, and that, because am I, am I remembering correctly, that's the first time we really get the introduction of the idea that he's been struggling all these years. Well, yeah, and that he might be a little bit, this is the first concrete proof that he's a little bit older than the other new X-Men. Yes, that's true. And that he's a little unstable. Yes. But yeah, yeah, definitely the first kind of aspect of him wrestling with his past is definitely brought up for the first time. The only other thing I had in this issue is uh, how when Banshee yells, there's ease in the, uh, in the instead of being like dialogue, it's in a sound effect in his side is power. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, if you caught that or not. When he's blasting the demon, there's a eee like coming out of his mouth. Yeah, isn't that what he always does? I don't think he did that the first time, did he? I don't, I don't remember. I thought it was more like, like they showed his power and then he yelled E, like like a dialogue box kind of. Mm, yeah, maybe so. Um, I really like this panel of more of a taggart running in with a machine gun. Yeah, I thought that was really funny too. And then Banshee's like, you're a sweet girl. Just stay out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's trying to help, dude. Right. That's uh. Yeah, that's pretty much all I had on that one. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I was going to ask, did I miss something? I may have because I read this one kind of quickly. Did How did they know that he came from the Cairn? Oh. Because um, I didn't pick that up, and then all of a sudden they say, Storm, get to the Cairn and destroy it. And I was like, "What? where did that come from? As if they knew about him, as a, they, that this demon existed, and they knew where it came from. Oh, yeah, they did, because when Professor X tried to side-scan him, he saw it. Oh, that's right, that's right, okay. I I get that now. Yeah. That was a pretty cool panel by Cochran with the, uh, all the little monsters and stuff, that was pretty nice. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't catch the picture of the obelisk there. Or the Karen, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so, uh. Anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Um, all right. So I thought overall that the uh, the art was really good in this issue. Um, art was good. I thought the dialogue was pretty good too. I thought the story was dumb. <laughs> story was, well, I think the first part of it was interesting. Well, with the Cyclops stuff? Yeah, Cyclops dealing with... Although, you know, it's it's kind of silly. Cyclops takes it so much on himself. But right. I liked the recap of Proudstar's death, and I liked, uh, you know, that the Cyclops is dealing with that. I found it kind of weird that it seemed like no one else really was. Right. Especially considering that... No, no, I mean, nobody liked James Proudstar because he was kind of a jerk all the time. Right. But the new team guys, you'd think, would be more connected to him. But I, I don't know. But I mean, not not that they didn't care, but they, I guess they're out fighting. Yeah, that's I, I'm pretty sure that's why they added that backup story in the classic X-Men last time was because Chris Claremont went back and looked at these issues and realized, oh, wait, I barely addressed his death at all. <laughs> <laughs> I should write a story where they go and do something about it. And yeah, that's why I think they that's added probably that right. In. Because, I mean, pretty much, like, there's a brief mention of it here. I don't think he's 
even remembered again for a long time. And they move right on from this right away. Yeah. Why? Well, yeah. I don't. I don't think they really mention it until his brother shows up. Right. Which is in the New Mutants. Nineties, I think. Right. Early no, 90s? he comes up in the eighties. When was New Mutants? Eighties. Oh, okay. I was thinking it started later. Yeah. Than that. No, X Force was nineties. He was in X Force. Oh yeah, when yeah. New Mutants, that makes sense. Uh, ended and moved to X Force. Yeah, I forget how long New Mutants ran. Yeah, it was quite a while. Yeah, that's issues. true. I did also think this is just. I, I, I didn't really understand what was happening with the Project Armageddon stuff. Like, I liked that they kind of introduced How it. How did I understand? The boxes were labeled the Project <laughs> Armageddon on the crates. Yeah, well, I got that. But <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. I read I read it and I was just like, it doesn't, I don't understand what they're really talking about. Yeah, with, without giving too much away, I thought this part was cool. Yeah. For what it sets up. But well, I, I liked that what they were trying to do. It just wasn't. I was very unclear as to what, but maybe they maybe it was supposed to be kind of somewhat vague. Right. I did like, because I wasn't sure early, how early on we got this. I liked that the, the military guy was very, if not pro mutant, at least like not interested sympathetic. in killing them all. Right. Yeah. So I thought kind of the, the contrast between them. Was pretty cool. And then we have a sentinel. Left. I was I was about to say I didn't notice that the first time when I read it. Uh, I just yeah. noticed that now. It's like, oh man, that's pretty cool. Right. Um, so yeah, pretty cool. But the demon stuff, very very dumb. Yeah. But I don't like stuff like that. And there, I don't. Either. I assume X-Men there are people or, who do. There must be. Because back in the seventies, there was lots of stories about things like this. Right. And even in the eighties, and even sometimes they still do it now. But it seems like in the seventies there were a lot of like demon spiritual I mean you like Doctor Strange you get all those whoever reads that comic right you know that's it's about that kind of stuff all the time and I that's just something I don't care much for I think there's but. there's the fantasy element that goes with it that I was well I even say this kind of hesitantly I, I love comics I like good sci-fi yeah <laughs> I don't really want to cast my lot with sci-fi overall. Um, yeah. I'm just, not to lose any nerd cred, but I'm, just, I'm not really big into fantasy. It's just, it's yeah. not really my thing. I I, I would agree. Now, there's some stuff that's how really well good. Yeah, like Lord of the Rings. I, yeah. still, I consider that fantasy. Oh, okay. And that's really good. All right. I guess when you consider that, that's yeah, fantasy, right? Yeah, Elves and so. magic, yeah. yeah. But yeah, when it... I don't know when it gets into the. I guess to me, this is the crossover that I don't like. Right. That's really what I because like if it's fantasy on its own, I like that. Some. I mean, if it's good fantasy, I like that. Right. Good sci-fi on its own. When they try to mix it all together, like the X-Men to me, what what are they fighting a demon for? That doesn't even make any sense. Right. Yeah. It's just like a rant. Like Doctor Strange, I don't like Doctor Strange, but I get why he does those things. Like that's that's what he does. So, okay. So I don't read that comic, but it's right. like X-Men. I don't know. Okay. All right, so uh, any other... That was, uh, was pretty the, intense for... That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We get really heated about this. Yes, right? Stupid demons. Um, yeah. But, of course, these guys will show up later. We'll, we'll see. Um, in a very Looking very different. All right, so basically X-Men, though, 96, I guess the Wolverine thing we pull from it is that we see him completely lose his cool and talk about how he's tried to suppress that. For yeah, 10 funny. years. That's that really part deep. was really, really cool. All right, so 
overall rating would you give X-Men 96? Probably, well... I'll hesitantly give it a two. Okay, that's, two claws. All right, I'm exactly the same place. Okay. I gave it, I gave it two out of three claws, but it's a weak two. Yeah, really. Um, I gave it two out of three because I thought the art was great. I thought the insight we got into Wolverine was worth a claw by itself. <laughs> yeah, and then um, the part with Cyclops, while over dramatic. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, all, so. everything but the main story. Yes, was was good. It was like like you said the the introduction of Project Armageddon, the arrival right. of Moira McTaggart. Right. All that stuff was good. It's really just it's the just, main character that yeah. lost them that last call. Right. That the demon guy was good. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So we both gave uh, X Men ninety six two out of three claws. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, go to the next one. Okay, so next up we got X Men number ninety seven. All right, so Chris Claremont, of course, the writer. Dave Cockrum, still the artist. This case, Sam Granger is the inker. Annette Kay is the letterer. Don Warfield as the colorist. All right, cool. So cover on this one. We got Cyclops and Havoc facing off. Yes. Brother on brother. I think brother versus brother is what you <laughs> Either way, uh, the title, of course, is My Brother, My Enemy. That's a bit of a spoiler because that'll be how we get to the end here. So. Right. All right. So basically. Well, what do you think about the cover? Well, uh, it's, I like, it's a good cover. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a, a very nice cover. I like it a lot. Yeah. I don't quite get why Storm in the back yells that Cyclops must fight this alone. Well, I think it's funny because. It's like she's, with her words, she's trying to hold Colossus back. Right. But yet she's still flying right towards... Right, they're them. all flying in that direction. They're all running in that direction. Yeah, it's kind of a weird... It didn't really make that much sense, <laughs> considering what, what plays out in the actual comic. But Right. But basically, this one opens up with Professor Xavier having a horrible nightmare. Space that, nightmare. Space nightmare. Cosmic nightmare. Ooh, cosmic. With uh, spaceships that look like bugs. <laughs> yes, that flies specifically. Flies specifically. That apparently he's had a bunch of times and really wrecks him. Right. Per, you know, emotionally, physically. He wakes up de- devastated. So that sets up for what's going to happen. So we jump from there. <clears throat> the next morning, uh, Moira McTaggart's giving him some coffee and talking about it, it reveals that he has something he needs to tell the X Men, but he doesn't want to tell him. Okay. He's got something going on. It doesn't really clear what that is. It jumps to Alex Summers, Havoc, and Lorna Dane, uh, Polaris. 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 Is she called Polaris yet? Because they acted like she had a different name. But oh, I don't. I think this may be her first. Maybe the first time she uses that term. Name. Yeah. Well, anyway, apparently they're off at working on their PhDs now, uh, and they're in the mountains doing, I guess, archaeology. Kind of sounded like. Yeah, or, or uh, really say, uh, geology, maybe. Geology, maybe. Kind yeah. of the impression I got. Which I thought, oh, I, I wondered what happened to those people. Because <laughs> it was kind of like the, a couple issues ago, they decide to leave and then they just dis- right. they disappear. So anyway, speed, so now this, we know. speed our summary up. So they're off looking. Somebody attacks them. Alex Summer runs back. And then Lorna Dane attacks him. Right. And then we go back to an airport where... 
Professor X is leaving on his vacation. He's going to go do some fishing because he doesn't. Again, I guess he's still not telling them what's going on. So no, but he's going to go try to figure it out. He's going to try to figure it out without telling them. And uh, we have Jean Grey's back, so this is kind of a more letting us know what's happening. And um, Nightcrawler's in his image inducer. Yes. Uh, we'll come. We'll come back to that. The funny stuff. So anyway. <laughs> So basically, uh, Professor X takes over right before his plane takes off. Uh, there's an attack, but the attack comes from Havoc and Polaris, okay. who show up and attack the X-Men. And then it turns out that it's this guy, Eric the Red, okay. who apparently they know. Well, yes. Do you know the Eric the Red history? I don't, actually. Okay, well, I meant to look that up, and I didn't. At the end, or when we get done, I'll Okay, we'll come back to that. So anyway, it's Eric the Red... Uh, we have this fight. They're trying to get to Professor Xavier. Ultimately, they don't. And the plane gets away. And then we have this big face-off between Scott and his brother, Alex. Yeah. While Lorna, Dane, and Storm face off in the sky. And it creates all this havoc. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And then um, they're about to lose, and then Eric the Red grabs them and flies off like a Superman panel. Yes. Where he's holding them on, on their sides. Right, <laughs> under his arms. And then at the very last second, we have the uh, the Armageddon Project guy. What's his name? I forget his name. Uh, Michael something. No, no, the blonde guy. Michael something. I don't think that's him. Michael was another guy. Is that right? I don't know. We'll come back to that. Anyway, he's looking at them through some screen, and then someone is looking at him through some screen. Yes. So we're going deep into I'm sure it's apocalypse. Theories. <laughs> yeah, all the way back to apocalypse. His hand's red, so I don't know. No, I don't, it's not this time. It's not. So that's where we end. Okay. So what did you think? I, well, I th- Overall. Or we'll do funny stuff first, I guess. Well, I thought the... Uh... In a very 70s way, even though some of the design might be questionable by modern standards, I thought the space nightmare with the art and the colors particularly, so I guess Cockrum and who was who was the colorist? Um, some lady. Elaine Lee, right? Annette K. Oh, yeah, that was different then. Yeah. All right, so the, maybe you don't even have the same colors as me. They're not. They're better on yours. <laughs> okay. Your well, I was going to say these colors are really cool. And I thought the art was really cool in this. Um, I thought it was funny that the spaceships look like guns. Yeah. And then they look like bugs. But, yeah, um, I I too thought it, it. It's kind of it's cheesy from 2013's perspective, but right. for the 70s, it's pretty cool because yeah. it, it looks like a lot of the kind of space stuff you saw in the 70s. Right. So yeah. It, well, it definitely in in a nostalgic way reminds me. I mean, the the space stuff in the 80s doesn't look much different than this. Yeah, it doesn't. So it's I don't know similar. if Cocker was just ahead of the time or if it just didn't evolve very much over that decade. But either way, it reminded me a lot of the comics we read as a kid. Particularly yeah. those those all those back issues we got that yeah. we've talked about before. But this... This whole page reminded me a lot of just all the old Marvel stuff I used to read. 
This reminded me specifically of a comic, and I wish I could remember what it was called. And this is going to be a terrible story because I can't remember <laughs> what it's called. But it was a comic that I got. And I think it was in that big batch. And it was a space comic, and it was clearly like a Star Wars ripoff. Was it Rom the Space Knight? Maybe. Okay. That sounds familiar. I know was there you like had a, a couple of Was those. there like a monkey guy? That Micronauts? No, it wasn't Micronauts. Not Micronauts? I think it's Rom. Anyway. But anyway, it reminded I'm, I'm me. I'm not of, sure about the monkey guy. It reminded me of uh, a couple a couple of different comics, probably, that, that right. looked like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, that was, that was interesting. Um, I thought it was weird or interesting that at some point later on that Polaris, when she flies, she references the reason she can fly is the same reason Krakoa could fly. No, the same reason she could that she made project Krakoa into oh, the that's stratosphere. Right. But I thought that was funny because it didn't make any sense with Krakoa, but they say it here like, oh, that explains it. Right. It's like, well, that didn't make any sense the first time, so it still doesn't <laughs> make any sense here, but okay. Right. It actually makes more sense, I think, for her to be able to use her magnetism to, you know, revert. So she can reverse the polarity. Polaris. Right. She Polaris. can reverse the polarity of magnetism. It makes sense that she could then fly herself up into the sky. Right. Control where she goes. So that, I thought they didn't even really need to mention Krakoa because it actually makes more sense if you just left it that way. Yeah. Here, the way they described it is classic 70s jibber jabber where they try to explain something scientific. Yeah. I'm not sure about this bar Professor X uses to get out of bed. <laughs> the idea is cool, and I think people actually did that. I feel like he either had to sleep sitting up, or he somehow, being paralyzed from the waist down, had to get his upper body up there to reach that. But like the bar is too high. Yeah, well, maybe he could do a sit-up. At least his hands grow. That helps. Look how big his hands get when he reaches <laughs> up for that bar. Maybe he, uh, maybe he just did, does a sit-up and then he can reach it to pull himself right. the rest of the way up. I don't know. Anyway, he's so bothered by these nightmares and he, he can't remember how much coffee he's pouring into his cup. Right. Yeah. Um, he's really stressed. I will say, as far as X-Men comics, or at least as far as what we've read, when we see uh, Lord and Dane in the, in the desert and her little thing, it's kind of the first, like, I'm going to sound weird. It, as far as what we've covered so far in Wolverine books, it's the first really attractive female, I thought. Like, Cochran definitely kind of has a modern sense to his femininity, yeah. I guess. The way he draws fit. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I, I don't know. I guess it looked, it looked to me like something I, I would have seen Expected to see later, I guess, yeah. is what kind of caught me by surprise. Yes. Yeah, because there's a lot of uh, strange iterations of women in the books before these. Right. Uh, let's see. I thought it was funny that they referred to Wolverine as unsociable. That's why he wasn't <laughs> at the uh, airport. Yeah, that was pretty funny, too. So, you know, and I, I thought... I thought it was, it was cool, because I don't think Claremont had this in mind at this time at all. I mean, A, it shows, like, kind of his attitude or bad attitude on the team. Yeah. But I think it also, the way Professor X stretch, stresses it, you can easily retcon that to talk about how, you know, because now Wolverine looks back in his early days on the X-Men as, like, Professor X reaching out and helping him find himself, blah, blah, blah. So you can almost reread this through modern eyes 
as Wolverine not wanting to be there because he didn't want to say goodbye. And yeah. So he's like, he's being grumpy and unsociable because Professor X is <laughs> leaving. So you can use like the same dialogue and and have two different, like a, an old meaning from where Wolverine was and a new meaning that. to where he is now. So I thought that was cool. Not really relevant, I guess, to going in the back issue. but Yeah, but no, I, I, I think that's a good... Uh... Yeah, so Polaris' costume is stupid. It's very stupid. Is yours very purple or maroon? She looks like a space queen of some She looks kind. like a consort, yeah. It's mar- it's purplish. Okay. And then the hood thing. And she just... looks like a what? What did you say? A consort, like a space consort. Oh, yeah, consort. <laughs> At least a consulate. Oh, yeah. yeah, she looks pretty silly. She was, she was actually hanging out with Doc, another Doctor Strange reference. I'm wondering, and that book was pretty popular at this time. I'm wondering how That's much true. design influence and storytelling influence that, that is had very on, on these mid-70s X-Men. The image, all right, so the image inducer. I know. it's so it. I almost want to say let's wait, because in a couple of comics, it's going to be so funny when he uses it. So I almost want to say let's wait and talk about the image inducer later because they're they're all similar in these when when Nightcrawler uses it. All right, we can do that. And it's really funny. All right, then Colossus rips right through his clothes. I thought that was funny. I did too. He had his uniform on underneath. Hulk style just rips off of him. Okay, this is probably the... Let's see, what page is it on for me? Page... All right, so this is probably a miscoloring then. On your original thing... When when the plane jumps through the other plane, mm-hmm. is Nightcrawler's face green? No. No, okay. So the classic X-Men is miscolored as green, so I, I made a joke that Nightcrawler is going to be sick. <laughs> but um, it doesn't really Where's apply. Right there. It is green. That's weird. Yeah. All right, so Eric the Red. Uh, basically, back in the 60s, there was a time where to get to Magneto Cyclops invented Eric the Red as a villainous persona to try to recruit evil mutants uh, okay that was, I'm, so I'm that's why they all now. like recognize it why Cyclops is like you can't be Eric the Red I'm Eric the yeah. Red but, um, interesting well the thing about Eric the Red I want to throw in here Okay. I think one of the best things about this whole comic is Eric the Red's one liners Okay. And I may be remembering that wrong, but I'm going to go scroll through here really quickly yeah, give me, and give, a couple, and give a couple because I thought they were really funny. There's a whole lot of... Uh, well, there's a, I am power incarnate and nothing can that lives can stand against me. Are you talking about like the megalomaniac stuff or is there something else you're going for? There? No, there's a... I'm, I'm trying to find it now. There's a whole lot of... Uh, Okay, let's go on. I'll, I'll think of it as we get through here. Okay. Well, I thought that, um, I don't know what page it is for you, but when Havoc and Cyclops are facing off, it's right after a storm and changes their costume. There's a really, really cool picture of Havoc using his power, where he's like, Yes, that is a really cool white picture. and then yellow in the middle and I thought the art by Cockerman and the colors and inks were real, really spectacular on that panel. I agree. And that's how Havoc's power should always look. Yes. But on the cover, it doesn't look like that. Well, no. On the cover, it's like laser beams coming out of his fingertips. 
Yes, the cover's kind of strange. I'm not sure why they do that. But it's a cool cover, but it doesn't really fit Havoc. You're right. Yeah. So here, here's one of them. Because several of the, the Eric the Red are someone says something, and then he tells them they're not going to do that. So in this case, Cyclops says, says take him, or whatever. And Eric the Red says, no, Cyclops, you will not take me. All you will do is die. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. All right. I'll find another one here in a second. Nightcrawler says, perhaps not, but you'll forgive us if we try. Eric and Red says, you'll try nothing else. That's right. You'll so try yeah, nothing. He just... He's telling them what they're going to do. <laughs> not when you're smashed to a pulp. That's funny. That is funny. Oh, so another panel I thought was really awesome was right after that. There's Nightcrawler standing on the wing of a plane. Yes. In smoke. And you get his like silhouette with his eyes. I thought that was another awesome panel. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, oh, here's another one from Eric the Red. The so Eric the Red says after um, they do the Colossus hits him high and Nightcra- Nightcrawler hits him low. Yes. Eric the Red says you will never learn, Changeling. Your strongest blows are as nothing to me. And Colossus says, "What about my blows, Horned One? Is Colossus nothing too?" And Eric the Red says, yes, and smashes him. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, uh, you may not know this. Um, the Havoc Cyclops uh, power is not hurting each other thing, and that's not introduced yet? I guess not. Okay. Because, yeah, it looks like in here they're both, they both believe they're going to kill each other. Right. Okay. And there's no... Which I gotta say, I kind of wish that was right anyway. I think that whole we can't hurt each other thing is dumb. I agree. Me and my brother fought all the time. and Well, not all the time, but it hurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's and there's lots of cases where mutants kill their families. Right. Or hurt So it's not a mutant-wide. It's a summer-specific thing. Yeah, or maybe it has to do with the way their powers work because well, they're both is, kind of concussive. They're both, um, but it still doesn't make they're sense. They're both like... Not solar. They're both, I don't know. I don't know. No, I, haven't. I could buy that by when they shoot them at each other that that neutralizes it. Right. But just the fact that if I... It's if not blast, blindsides havoc. It yeah, should hurt. It seemed, yeah, it should. It's kind of silly. I never really liked that. Yeah, so I agree. I'm glad in here they don't really get to that. They have to, they have to do that. That's why they're going to kill each other. Um, yeah. All right. So then I thought also the last thing I had. So do you have anything else before the end? You wanted to talk about? I'll, I'll come back. Okay. The other part I thought was cool was when Wolverine and Banshee are the reinforcements. Yeah. So they show up. In some space car. It was like a fantastic car. Yeah, it was yeah. like a little Fantastic Four space mobile. Um, Hover mobile or they something. They show up, and as Eric and Red flies off with uh, Havoc and Polaris, Wolverine gets all and just chews them out. Yeah. He's like... What are you doing, boss man? You got a clear shot at him. Blast them, man. They're getting away. Blast them. And basically, Cyclops, or he goes, that cuts it, bub. Those clowns trying to stop us. You just stand there and watch them fly away. What's the matter, hot shot? You gutless or something? Wolverine, shut up. And then Cyclops, <laughs> like, just smacks it, or actually cracks him. And he goes, why, you one-eyed son of a, I'm going to cut you wide open for that. We get a snicked, spelled the right way. Yeah, right. And then Storm intervenes and kind of shows her leadership qualities, which that'll be something that comes into her character quite a bit. So I thought that was cool. 
But she's like, you will do nothing, Wolverine. Not now, not ever. Or you will answer to me. Yeah. So, I, so that whole interchange between, in my opinion, what are probably like the three strongest X-Men. Yeah. As far as leadership potential yeah, or just character-wise. So. I thought that was kind of a cool way to show really early interaction between the three of them. I, and I like that, that shakes down. Except, okay. I don't think that Cyclops could knock Wolverine down. You don't think he could if he caught him off guard? With a backhanded smack like that? I don't think so. Are you ready to notice? Hmm. I'm just now noticing this. Okay, on yours. Um, the Wolverine's claws are partially out. Co- yeah, yeah, they're partially coming out. I just noticed that. That's pretty cool. That is cool. I wonder if Cockroach like mid snicked. All right, now I want to. I need to look. Or back. if he's just trying to make clear that that's what it. That's what it was. Yeah, like that's those are the she's. Um, uh, Wolverine's not really in this issue. Crap. Um, we'll we'll keep that eye out for that in the next no, future ones. I want to look before that though. Okay. I want to see prior. Well, while you look, let me get into my one. My biggest problem with this whole issue, and we don't get an answer to it because Eric the Red doesn't come back. At least not in the next three or four issues or however many issues we did on this one. <clears throat> it's not clear to me how mind-controlled Havoc and Lorna Dane are. Well, it's more hypnotized. But but it's... But is it, though? Because Havoc is able to tell Scott that he's... Oh, that's That true. he can't control himself. That is mind control. But Lorna's completely out of it and attacking. And then when Lorna gets hurt, Havoc attacks Scott Alex attacks Scott. It's very it, to me. It's it's weird. It's weird the way they do it because it's not. They're not zombies like they've been taken over and they're just doing what Eric the Red wants them to. So it's like they still have a little bit of agency within some kind of mind control. Right. It's very. It's. I thought that was weird because I was like because because they're so angry at them and it's like well if they're mind controlled they're mind controlled and you can't be angry at them. Right. But they're angry at them like they've like they've betrayed them. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't really yeah. have a good well, I, and we don't um, get an answer, like I said, because no, it, they, they don't come back. I don't, and I don't remember how this resolves. I really, for some reason, my head had worked it out that he was the Armageddon guy, but he's not. Yeah. And um, so as far as how his story gets resolved, I don't really remember. Um, it's been a long time since I've read yeah. those issues. Well, if we do year three, we'll maybe yeah. we'll get an answer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, so, maybe so, if, somewhere if down the line. Back. Eventually, whenever, have, eventually, I know for sure, have a employers will come back. Yeah, they'll and be back so, at some point. So maybe they'll either just there. show up or they'll show up with an explanation. Who we'll just knows? Get away, right? Oh, that didn't really happen. <laughs> Which I don't, you know, I don't really care. I mean, Eric Red's kind of dumb, but yes. Anyway, well, I don't know. I we don't. It's because it's not Scott. So <laughs> right, yeah. So is the. All right, well, then, so is Eric the Red watching um, the guy watch the X-Men? I don't. I thought that at first, but how would he have gotten there? Right. See this? Well, because he just flew away, so how would he have already be there looking? True. And I don't, yeah, I don't think his arm looks like that, so I don't think that's him. I think it's a Shi'ar. So oh, I, you know what? I, I bet guess. you're right. I bet you're right. Yeah, I really, I really don't remember, so I'm not. Cheating. I bet you're right, and that's how they're going to tie in to the space, the space stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
We've well, we'll cracked see. that nut. Either that or it's Magneto or somebody. I don't know. Yeah. All right, it looks like that blue, the blue guy with the mohawk, though. That's oh, with that maybe. arm. That's yeah, what it looks like to me. So. Okay. Anyway. Um, I thought overall this was a pretty strong story. I thought the art was fantastic. I agree. I thought to date this is my favorite Cockrum art. Yeah, so far. I'd agree with and that. N- and not to say this has been bad before, but I feel like this was just really, really strong. Yeah, it was just particularly better. Yeah. Sadly, I think it falls off of the next one, but we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll get to that. Well, let's wait till we get there. Um, <laughs> all right, so overall, I'm going to give uh, X-Men 97 three out of three claws. What do you got? Me too. Okay, Me too. Cool. I, liked, I liked that one a lot, especially... Especially coming on the heels of a couple of different bad stories with Krakoa right. and then and then the demon guy. Well, and even though Wolverine doesn't really fight anything in this, I mean, he came in against the Hulk and Wendigo. Right. And since then, our selection of villains has been pretty lame. Yeah. We had Count Nefario, we had the dumb demon guy, mm-hmm. and yeah, Count he Nefari doesn't really fight him. Eric the Red, but at least he's kind of here. Yeah. And then, then we'll kind of pick up a little bit with the villain aspect as we move through the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I was just glad to see a little bit stronger of a villain. Yeah, if I he agree. was kind of silly. It was, he was, he was Eric. I'll take Eric the Red over Count Nefaria or the the one eyed demon guy anytime. Yeah. Or even Krakoa. Yeah, or Krakoa. Yeah. So, all right, cool. So we both give X Men ninety seven three out of three claws. Three out of three claws. All right. Okay, so let's move right along. Next, we have X-Men 98, written by Chris Claremont, pencils by Dave Cockrum, inks by Sam Granger, letters by Joe Rosen. Not Joe Rogan, <laughs> Joe Rosen. I have, mine's recolored, because I have classic X-Men, it's recolored by Elaine Lee. This one is Janice Cohen. Janice Cohen. Okay. It's weird that the colors are all different. I yeah, wonder, I guess I they, they just recolored them all. I guess for technology's sake, they recolored yeah. them. All right, so basically we have X-Men, Xmas in New York. And then Sentinels, exclamation point. They captured Jean, uh, Banshee, Wolverine, and Storm do some stuff. Storm rescues Cyclops. Professor X is on vacation with uh, Peter Corbeau, who's a space expert. And he doesn't recognize the binary system from Professor X's dream. Uh, they catch a sentinel <laughs> while fishing. Uh, somehow, Professor X is able to mind blast a robot. Uh, That's something I want to talk more about. Okay, well, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, the, ro- the sentinel captures Professor X. They go to a hidden location. Stephen Lang. So it wasn't Michael. It's Stephen Lang. That's Stephen the guy's Lang, yeah. name. Yeah, Michael also was saying, I think he was a different person okay, there. Okay, all right. So Stephen Lang... Project Armageddon interrogates the X-Men. He slaps Gene, which Wolverine is having none of. So that prompts Wolverine to finally break out. He runs the bad guys off. They all escape. Corbeau arrives at the mansion. The Cerebro can't find the X-Men anywhere on Earth. Light bulb there in space. <laughs> nice. All right, so that's my summary. Good summary. Um, all right, so page one, finally. Uh, we see Wolverine out of costume officially for the officially first time. Officially in his Logan. In, yes. Logan well, outfit. No, not, Lo- not Logan yet. Well, not quite, but. I mean, 
No, I mean we don't know his name. We don't know that's his name. Yeah, yeah, no, but I mean in his. Okay. Because you know the comic when he's he's always Logan when he's in his yes. civvies and then he's Wolverine in his suit. Right, right. This is when he's when he's Logan. But yeah, you're right. Well, they haven't introduced the name Logan yet. So we, we and I, so we get his hair and his sideburns right off the bat, which is nice. And he has a nice scarf. Then on page two, I have a Scrooge Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, "What about me, Miss Gray? I got no use for Christmas." And he's smoking his cigarette. Yeah. And you know, I he said... He also first Wolverine smoking, I think, right? Because he had... I think he had beer, but I don't yeah. know if he had a cigarette, yeah. Okay. Good question. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I said, I said a few minutes ago that the art dropped off, but it, you're, it didn't. It's just that they give Wolverine a terrible widow's peak. That really yes, bothers it's, me. It's, it's like a full-on Eddie far. monster. It's too far. Well, it's all the way down to his eyebrows. It's not even like... It's all the way down to the top of his nose. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not... It looks really bad. Yeah, that's... A, I think. For for our first close-up of Wolverine, it's not a good one. Yeah, it's not. And it'll look a lot better in, in another couple episodes. Right. The, ne- the next time he's in his civvies, they won't. They don't do that. Of course, he's got a hat on, but... Right. But Cochran, so otherwise... Cochran's version good. of the Sentinels, really nice. Yeah, very nice. I thought it was funny that uh, we have Stan Lee and Jack Kirby in here. Yeah, I thought that was really funny, too. They uh, show up and they And they're come. making fun of Scott and Gene kissing, because I think this is the first time they kiss on the page. It sounds like it. Yeah. The way they... The way so that, they're like, we would have never done that. Yeah, I wondered if that... I wonder if that was a change in the comics code that I think they, they were do just, before. They Wanted to hit the relationship and not show it. Yeah. Whereas Claremont's like, well, let's, let's get on with it. We need to move this. Need to move this relationship and this story along a little bit. Maybe so. Maybe so. I kind of felt like it had that it was more. There was more to it than that. But but you could be right. I really like this panel also. Um, Jean Grey using her telekinesis. Okay, so is yours colored the same way? Mine's colored in a very like. It's red and yellow, yellow and white. Oh, can I see it real fast? Mm-hmm. It still looks really cool. Yeah, though. it still looks really cool. Okay. It's just a little darker looking. Yeah. But they both look awesome. So yeah. anyway, that's that's a great panel. And a really, probably of, the, of to date, probably the coolest Jig Ray's powers have ever looked. I would, I would venture so. a guess. I don't uh, know that. Yeah, I think so too. Don't know that for sure. Is it just me or is Cyclops glasses lenses pop up? Yeah, they do. Like he's Dwayne Wayne in uh, a different world. <laughs> Dwayne Wayne. <laughs> That's, a, that's an old pool right there. Yeah, <laughs> Early is. 90s reference. Okay, but it, yeah, that works. <laughs> it's no, a really cool, gosh. it's a really cool panel. I like that. And then the, the, the blast through the Sentinel. That's really cool. Right. And then on the next page, uh, Scott goes on William Shatner. Chest. Whole body feels <laughs> on fire. I. Good Lord. The Sentinel's lift off. It's shifting the wreckage. Throwing me off the roof. This radio mast. My only hope. I only pray it holds. It's got to. Because if it doesn't, it's 60 stories to the street. And no banshee to catch me if I fall. Although there's like four X-Men that can fly. But for some reason, oh, yeah. Banshee's the only well, one. Well, Banshee caught him in, before, yeah. in uh, Giant Size. Yeah. I like the... Or, ba- no, not Giant Size. The number 94. Yeah, yeah. Um, back back up a little bit where where Jean Grey is being held by the Sentinel. Yes, and she's talking about Scott, and this is really weird because it's 
it doesn't in my head it sounds different than probably what they meant for it to but they blow that puff of smoke or whatever that gas is in her face and she goes sentinel if you've killed them i'll uh <laughs> it was like this u-n-n-n-h-h-h yeah. It was like, she's like, uh, which I guess is supposed to be her passing out, but I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't right. even know what she that sounds like. She was trying is. to take a poop and she couldn't. <laughs> she's like, uh, I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. I just, <laughs> I've anyway. made your podcast a juvenile mockery. That's okay. Anyway, I do like that uh, Wolverine's looking for a fight. He says, wait up, bub, if there's a fight brewing, then the Wolverine's going to be in on it. Whereas yeah. he grabs onto Banshee's flying oh, yeah, away yeah. feet. I love the way Banshee completely shred, like just rips his arm open and his clothes all yeah. fall well, off. And I like that Banshee looks awesome and not like an old man. Yes. This is the first. He's really catching up. Yeah, the Banshee design is evolving. Yeah, Especially looks... on the next page when he's screaming. Yeah. Like his hair is kind of, it's still wavy and wild, but it looks yeah. well, a lot Well, it's not less. lady hair anymore. Now it's like feathered hair, like man right. 70s feathered hair instead of weird 60s housewife hair. Right. Which is what they tended to give him before. Hey, well, also on that page, we find out for sure that not only are the claws retractable, but they're in his hands. Yeah. There's no gloves involved here. The, the claws come out completely of his hands and only his hands. I thought that was a nice little... Uh, Actually, do we... Because he's got gloves on. He's wearing some leather gloves. No. Could, but, it, but later in this issue, they'll say that. Okay. Oh, they come out of your hands. But it's not his uniform gloves. Yeah. So, because before... As the reader, you can assume it there. But the right. other X-Men don't take note of it until later in this issue. Right. So I'm being picky when I said that. Storm's eyes turn white. Yeah, that was the cool. smoke coming out. I think they've done that before, but... Yeah, well, it was really I cool literally like that in the movie with Halle Berry. Yeah, I, I like that too. I really like the the art depiction of her little cyclone. Her, yeah, there. her really hurricane cool. in the sky. And, and hurricane I, in the sky. So is this? <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so is this Sentinel counts the deadliest? This will be my catch? last appearance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. I'm about to get fired. Right. Uh, so Sentinel deadliest catch. Yes. Yeah. That was really funny. But look look at the picture and look how much wire is the Sentinel is holding. Well, which one? I don't know why they did that. When oh. he come, right when he comes out of the water, it's like he's got a bunch of... <laughs> he's got the giant net yeah. in his hand. Yeah, it's like yeah. Got a whole net or something. It's weird. Yeah. So yeah, so how does he blast, mind blast the robot? Are there people in the Sentinels? No, right? No, this is, this is something that I had hoped Claremont would fix. Before the X-Men took their hiatus, mm-hmm. this happened a lot where Professor X was able to scan machinery, <laughs> which makes no sense. No, it makes no sense. And I think at some point, Claremont wises up and, and doesn't do that anymore. And I was hoping he changes that from the get-go, but apparently he doesn't. Yeah. So somehow, Professor X is able to mind-blast the Sentinel. Well, that's weird. And then I think in the next episode, the next issue, he, I mean, He controls Storm- something with his mind, right? Well, maybe, but but it, the I was gonna say Storm talks about how bad she feels for killing people because she blew up a Sentinel. Oh yeah, I was like, what? There's, and I remember at some it's point there time. there are people in the Sentinels. I think there's a different Sentinel, but that's like, like later. years later. Yeah, that's that, that, that kind of. I was gonna say that's not these guys, but no. So yeah, so that's a weird kind of a weird thing. 
These Sentinels do kind of have, I guess, personality. So maybe it feels like personality. Yeah, I don't know. I, that that's the whole thing is dumb. That's like a Blade Runner question right there. Yeah. Do the robots have emotions and feelings? I don't know. But yeah, that was interesting that they questioned whether Wolverine's a mutant or not as they're scanning him. I liked that yeah. because I liked that they said, like, it makes Wolverine special. Right. Because now we're in the space station and they're hooked up. Or, oh, I blew it. Space station. They're in a place. They're in a place. And they're hooked up. And Wolverine has nice chest hair. So that's <laughs> that's something we see from the get-go. Manly man. So in the extra scene, there's a part where they're they're getting kidnapped in New York. And Cyclops is like, hurry up, Storm, back to the mansion. And then he trains her in the danger room. So that was funny. What? <laughs> <laughs> right, hurry, come back and train. It's a separate montage while all this stuff's going on. Right. So yeah, so we get a hint of the uh, coming feelings of for Wolverine for Gene, mm-hmm. um, which they've already hinted not at explicit. that so far. But yeah, but obviously he gets really, really mad when when uh, the guy hits Gene Gray. Yeah, and that prompts him to bust out. And here there are no gloves, so for sure, and we right. see the. Which that doesn't really last. I don't think the really big divots in his hands. Oh, yeah. I don't think that. Oh, yeah. They I don't, don't think that sticks around. No, they don't do that much anymore. Um, so this, this um, Doctor Lang, Stephen Lang. Yes. She talks about him being a Nazi. But I think, I think well, that's just a reference. To the Nazis. Yeah, because he's not. Because I was thinking, I, I, and my first thought was, was he around previously as like some kind of Captain America enemy? Oh. I don't know. Or is he just, or are they just because because of what he was doing? They were calling because he's trying to kill all the mutants. I think yeah, I think they're just comparing. They're, it yeah, comparing him to Hitler. That's what I assumed, but I I just kind of thought maybe there was more more to this right to this Armageddon pro because like, it, it kind of pops up like like you know who he is right, but maybe not. I like how Jean Grey starts talking about how cumbersome her dress is, and Wolverine takes it upon himself to rip it off. Yeah, that's very that's very awesome. And then, <clears throat> but then we actually see him smile. So I thought that was cool. He's like, that was really cool. red. Yeah. That whole, that whole exchange, and even just to back up a little bit, when, when, when Dr. Lang slaps Jean Grey, and immediately, because right before that, Dr. Lang tells Wolverine, these, uh, these shackles are unbreakable. And then he slaps Jean Grey, and Wolverine immediately just breaks out of the shackles. Right. Like, I was just hanging out here. Right. But now yeah, that's... you've crossed the line. Right. And I think that's a great page or couple of pages because Wolverine is just straight badass. Yes. He breaks yeah, he out is. and he taunts them. He just tears that sentinel to shreds. And then he taunts the guy when they're running off. He says, hey, fellas, where's the fire? I thought you wanted a rough house a bit. He also said, he also calls him Sentinel Baby. Sentinel Baby, yeah. He goes, fine with me, bub. Only oh, this time I got my feet on the ground. And Sentinel Baby, that makes all the difference. That was really funny. It was a really good, uh, you know, 70s. But right. still, pretty good scene there. And then, yeah, they mentioned about how Wolverine, that they saw the claws come out and they didn't yeah. know that it was part of their... Hey, so I don't remember if we've already talked about this. Just cut me off. Okay. okay. Are we talking... Can Banshee talk while he screams? Because he does. I think you said earlier that you thought up to that, up to the last time's point that it was always text boxes, dialogue boxes. And then, because last time they used the E's and you said... Well, no, that was the sound. Yeah. But can he actually... Can he actually speak other words while he screams? Oh. Because here he's, he's blasting the sentinel. 
I guess he could talk on either side of the screen. Yeah. Okay. I don't so know. Yeah. Never mind. Probably that's probably what they're trying to say. I also thought it was funny that Wolverine wants to leave. For, he's like, let's just leave Professor X here and get going. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much all I had. Do you have anything else? Um, no. That's the good stuff. Okay. So I, uh, you, know, you mentioned going into this issue, you thought the art was a little weaker. Yeah. Well, that... I, I think with some exceptions, I agree with you. I thought the art was very inconsistent in this issue. Yeah. I thought the story was good, but it felt, and you can, let me ask you about this. Cause you have the actual original version without all the extra stuff. The extra stuff ruins it for me. Yeah. It was hard for me to discount it because the story felt very disjointed. Does it feel? Does it flow better without, or is it still kind of broken? I think it flows better because okay. I I really liked this issue. Oh, I thought okay. it was really good, and I didn't feel like yeah, yeah it just moves. Well, it seems quickly. like the stuff they added in is just really dumb. Yeah, because this this issue is really very fast paced okay, in the original because cool. you don't. There's right. no. I wish I would have no read it. I wish I would have read it the original way then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I gave you these digital versions. I know, and I have them. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. No, th- I, that must be what because I was surprised when you were saying about this issue being disjointed and all, okay. and even the art too. Because I, I said that, but really, other than the widow's peak, the rest of the art I think is really pretty good. Banshee looks awesome the whole time. See, I, the first panel I didn't think was that great. Um, I, I mean, for what it was, I thought it. Yeah, that was pretty good. The Sentinels look awesome, and there's I don't. Like, psych, you made fun of Cyclops' glasses. I didn't think that panel was all that cool, personally. Yeah, you know, like Cyclops' is, cool. his cheeks are really sunken in. And, yeah, he looks like he, his face is melting a little bit. Right. But they got the Jean Grey awesome using her powers. Yeah. Wolverine smiling was great. So yeah, but see, even the Sentinel that comes out of the water doesn't look nearly as cool as the ones in New York. I didn't think. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. But, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. But anyway, but for sure, the stuff that Cocker went and added later, he was obviously older or tired or something. Yeah. Because the, yeah. So I'm just I I meant to ignore the extra stuff, but I accidentally didn't ignore all of it. <laughs> but um. Yeah, that's all right. All right, so anyway, so what's your rating? I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. I mean that I I agree I agree with you that the art is is a little uneven but i think the parts that are good are are really good and because like i said the in this case the the story is really fascinating i like the story a lot i think it's i like i've always liked the sentinels and i always think that's kind of a cool story right and i think this is is really good so yeah three three for me okay well i actually had it as a very weak two now if i take out the stuff that was done i didn't like um i'm gonna give it I'm gonna go with three two. I think if I, I'm trying to think in my head how it would read if I read it the right way. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say I would I would probably enjoy it a whole lot more. I know just a little bit like a lot. So I'm gonna give it three out of three claws as well. So, um, yeah. So we both give X Men ninety eight three out of three claws. And the Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, true. Good for and a Jack Kirby. Nope. And Jack Kirby. Stan Lee, Jack Kirby. All right. Cool. Let's uh, move on. Okay, so next up we have uh, X-Men 99. All right, Chris Claremont, author. 
Dave Cockrum, artist, Frank Chiara, inker, Irving W., letterer, and Michelle W., colorist. I don't know what the W stands for. I wonder why they just abbreviated both of them. Yeah. All right. Anyway. So on the cover, we have the X-Men in space, and bubble. the Sentinels are trapped them with some bubbles. Yeah. Bubble magic. Um, and we have Death Star Rising. Interesting. Because this is a year before Star Wars comes out. Yeah, so I wonder if there's some connection to the... Or if it's just... And I guess, I mean, if you're doing stuff in space, it's not that hard to come up with the word Death Star. True. But, I don't know, it's so ingrained in my head as Star Wars, yeah, it definitely took me aback when I saw this. You can't, uh, you can't separate Death Star from... Right. But, anyway. You like this cover? <clears throat> No, not really. <laughs> it looks really cheesy. It does. The bubbles and look Klaus silly. Is busting his way out of the bubble. They're just floating in space with sentinels flying around. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty dumb cover. Yeah. Even for the seventies, it's kind of a dumb cover. Right. Okay. Now the first panel, on the other hand, I really like. I do too. In this case, now we have. I'll just go to the summary of the story. So basically, yeah. we discovered last time. Or at the end of the last issue, they're busting out of the uh, the lab that Stephen Lang has them in, and they finally get out, and this opens up at that moment. They bust out of the lab, right. and it turns out they're in space. Right. So now they're floating around in space. Right. Oh, you have, crap. <laughs> you have Banshee, Jean Grey, and Wolverine floating around in a, in a pretty cool uh, pretty cool panel. It's like the shading of it. Yeah. No, it's very nice. So, <clears throat> but anyway, so from there... Uh, jumps back to the home front where Scott is realizing, or I guess right at the end of the last one, the uh, what's his name, Peter Corbeau, the guy that was with, the guy that was with uh, Professor X on the boat, he shows up at the at the X mansion, so he helps them figure out that they need to use Cerebro, and somehow they connect into the Valhalla NORAD's Valhalla Mountain Main Databank somehow, and they use that to find out that they're in space. You can get this. No. I wrote my notes say page two equals dumb. Yeah. It doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense. But somehow And Gambit's got a junk in his trunk. <laughs> he does. They use uh Cerebro's You mean Banshee, yeah. You said, I said Gambit. I said did yeah, really? Yeah, I think so. I mean that is I heard that. sense. <laughs> I don't know. Oh well Banshee's got a bubble butt in this in this he does. issue. All right. But yeah, so somehow they use the government supercomputer to ramp up the X-Men supercomputer. But either way, the the result is everybody knows that everybody's in space. So, hey, I'm gonna catch you. in space. I said I was going to ignore the add-ins, but I have to tell you about this one. So they explain how the X-Men get on the space shuttle, and they all, like, they go into the NASA base in trench coats, and they sneak into the locker room <laughs> and change in astronaut suits. That's and funny. And the news is by Geraldo Rivera. It's Geraldo here too. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, that panel. That's that's all new. I was going to ask about that if Geraldo was around. I, I don't so. think so. I don't think so. I think they just used the name Geraldo. It but looks that looks like, like Geraldo with yeah. the big old muscle. Yeah, I mean, he, I guess he, he probably got started before he did his show. Yeah, he probably got started in the seventies. That's pretty funny. I and mean, he had a mustache. Come on. Everybody had a mustache in the seventies. That's though. what I'm saying. So he had to get started. In the 70s. Oh yeah, that's true. So he's that's why he still has the mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that picks up on... So, yeah, so they figure out they're in space, and then we go to this launch. And I maybe that made it more, more sense, because when I read it, I thought, what 
did I miss something with this launch? Because they're talking about this. Yeah, well, it was kind of a strange thing. But anyway, so they get on a space shuttle, uh, Dr. Corbeau's, Peter Corbeau's space shuttle. Right. Uh, lazy-eyed news reporter and Geraldo Rivera launch them into space. The reporters don't launch them into space, but they observe them launching into space. Right. And they get to the top. Each of them has a little story about what it's like to be in the helmet, which I thought was kind of funny. And then they get up into space. Then we have a side story where there's a lawyer in Ireland trying to mail a letter to Banshee. And then as soon as he mails the letter, he gets attacked by Banshee's cousin. Yes. Who we then find out is Black Tom Cassidy. Well, we will, yes. Well, he calls him Black Tom there. Oh, does oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Although I didn't remember that Black Tom was Banshee's cousin. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So that was that was an interesting interesting addition for me. So, uh, anyway, so jumps from there, they're back in space. The Dr. Stephen Lang attacks them with sentinels. The ship gets torn apart. Storm gets sucked out of the ship into space. Then they crash the ship into the building, somehow not destroying it, which I'm not quite sure how that happened. But for whatever reason, the ship just goes through the wall in the space without really damaging it too much. And then um, Storm fights a sentinel out in space. Turns out that she can use cosmic weather patterns. Yeah. I'm not so sure about that, but okay. (laughs) And they... Anyway, so then they get inside, they're fighting the Sentinels, they keep commenting on how easily they're able to defeat these Sentinels, right. which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, so they, they defeating the Sentinels, Storm comes back, she's not dead, and then right as they defeat all the Sentinels, Dr. Stephen Lang basically says, or Scott goes nuts on the guy, about to kill him. It, and he gives him a beatdown. Gives yeah. him a full-on beatdown, which... And my my summary says Cyclops pummels away. Yeah, he, that's really what happens, and it's it's a little weird actually, but I'll come back to that. So in the midst of that, then Lang basically says, "I had high hopes for the Sentinels, but there's actually more to it." The door opens, and it's the original X Men team with Professor X. With Professor X, and Professor X says, "These guys are imposters. Kill them all." And then it says, X-Men versus X-Men, to the death, is the yes. next issue. Right on. Now, the ending panel here. Let's talk about this real quick, and then we'll okay. go back and go through it. You have Cyclops, Marvel Girl in her old suit. Yes. Angel, Beast, and Iceman, Professor X. Yes. On the one side. On the other side, it's Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler. Yeah, Colossus, Storm. Sorry. Colossus, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine. Yes. So that leads one to believe that Cyclops and Marvel Girl are on this other side now. Right, yes. Somehow. Yes, I agree. And I, I was think very was, confused. I, think that was, I don't think the confusion was intentional. I think them being excluded from the other side was intentional. I think you were supposed to think they switched back sides. Yeah. Which this is why at first I thought it was Eric the Red. Uh, and that that's what he'd been doing is getting all the old team and brainwashing them. Right. But then Havoc and Lorna Dane aren't there. So I don't. Right. So that kind of blows that out, that theory out the water. But that was my initial assumption is that he's brought them back for this, the final showdown that we've all been waiting for, for right. the original team to fight the new, the old, new team. Well, confusion aside, I thought this last page was awesome. It, yeah, it looks very cool. No. 
I think Colossus's knee pads might be a tad high. And his leg's really skinny. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Wow. And Iceman Part has a giant forehead. Part of his thigh is actually smaller than his calf. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I- Iceman's head is giant. Forehead it is, is giant. But that's an awesome picture of Iceman. I it think. is. Other than the giant. If his head was slightly smaller, it'd be okay. But yeah, anyway. So... Overall, what are what are some interesting things? Let's go through here. I don't really have that much. Uh, we already talked about Gerard, Gerardo Rivera. I, I have on page 14, I can't tell if I wrote good fight or goo fight. I know it won't be the same. Oh, good, yeah. I thought this fight with Cyclops and Nightcrawler and Colossus against the Sentinels was really cool. Yes, it was really good. Yeah, and the last page. Oh, I thought it was interesting. It was definitely a comic book thing that we get space boobs. Because Thor, moves. her astronaut suit is like very feminine. Yeah. But like in real life, everyone looks the same right. in an astronaut Giant suit. Giant puffy astronaut suit. You but see her, you see her. Uh, the her, slim fit. She has the slim fitting slim astronaut fit, suit. So you can tell her she has boobs. And that see when she's flying away after she blasts a sentinel. I mean, it's very form fitting on her butt too. Yeah. Well, they want, they want you to know. They want yeah. you to know she's got a nice booty. Yeah, she That's does. That's the point of it. That's the scene I mentioned earlier where she talks about... Well, it's because the Sentinel screams, which is weird, because I thought it's weird in space no one could hear you scream anyway. <laughs> that's but That's true. what Ridley Scott told me. That is true. Yeah, that, that's a weird thing anyway. That the, it, Weird that the Sentinel screams, and then weird that she has this moment where she talks about how she promised she would never take and another's she's, life. But she explains it, though, because she says, his scream, the fear in it, that Sentinel almost sounded human. Oh yeah, that so, makes sense. But yeah, that, but that then was, she said, "Is this how you honor your parents' memory?" And then she said, "By breaking the oath, you swore that you would never take another's life." Right. But she didn't break the oath because he was a robot. Right. But she feels like she broke it. It's very strange. It's kind of silly. I but thought. then she, but then she contradicts herself because she says, "And yet, sooner or later, your duty as an X Men may require you to do just that." Yeah. So it's not like she feels like she's. I don't, it's almost like it's a very tentative oath. Because she's taken. <laughs> I think I think what happens is because the Sentinel is so human esque, mm-hmm. it makes her feel like she did something to a human. Then it made her think, well, as an X Men, am I eventually going to have to do something to you? I'm maybe trying too hard to uh, rectify Claremont's <laughs> yeah. uh, logic here, but that's kind of I, no, I I think that that makes sense. I, mean, I don't know that that's what I don't know. I think you're right. I don't know that Chris Claremont meant that, but I. That makes sense when I read right. it, so I'm okay with that. Okay, anything else? Um, I have a whole lot no, to say about this. Yeah, one. not really. I mean, <clears throat> it's another. I I like the story a lot. I like the the uh, Stephen Lang's face is all beaten. Oh up yeah, that panel was great to really show you that Scott Scott is really cut crap loose out of him. him. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I, I found that kind of strange because he. I'm trying to remember what happened right before that. Let me let me. Because it's not clear that Cyclops even knows what he's doing. It's not clear that Cyclops even know who's who's even knows who he is. But he shows up and then says, "How does it feel, you animal, facing someone one on one, someone who can fight back?" Well, because Jean reached out to him telepathically. I guess so, but it did. She, I guess she spelled like, out what was happening. Felt, well, I don't know about that, but she made. She gave Cyclops the impression that they were about to die, and I think he just lost it. I guess so. I guess that no, 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 it that makes really sense, is. but I just felt like him, him 
him flipping into Wolverine mode where he's basically right. berserker berserker raging on that guy. I thought that was kind of strange. But maybe that's part of the arc of uh, see, Cyclops' okay, let character. Me ask you. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So beat up Dr. Lang's face. I thought that was really... They really did a good job of making him yeah. look beaten, yeah. beaten up badly. I thought that was cool, too. Though no blood. But comics code, so... Right. All right, anything else? That's it. All right, rated. I gave this uh, two out of three claws. That was pretty good. I thought it was more about what came before and what comes after than what actually happened in this issue. So to me, it wasn't wasn't quite as good as as ninety eight or a hundred. So yeah, I I I think I'll go with a two as well. Okay. Well, we're doing everything the same tonight. I know. Now, one of us is going to have to break here a little bit. All right. But anyway, for the record, uh, X-Men 99, we both gave it two out of three claws. So let's get on to the big 100. So next up, we have the big X-Men 100. The spectacular 100th issue. And that's right. This is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Dave Cockrum. I had this inked by Dave Cockrum and Sam Granger. Is that what you have? I have Annette K. Letterer, Bonnie W. Colorist. All right, so you have Cockrum inking the whole thing. That, yeah, all right, he would have in this. Okay, cool. All right, so Cockrum does all the art. The letter is Annette Kowecki. Okay. And the colors are Michelle Wrightson. Is that what? No, Annette, my, right, my colors will be different. Yeah, right. Bonnie W. is the color, right. but that letter is the same, yeah. This is Greater Love Hath No X-Men. Alright. To the cover by Cockrum. It's pretty cool. It's kind of... Basically, it's almost the same idea as the last page of 99. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Yeah, the two X... The original X-Men on one side, the new X-Men on the other side. This one, you have Professor X standing over his crumpled wheelchair with his hands in the air yelling. Yeah. Which is funny because it's like, why does he? If he can stand in this point, why does he even have a wheelchair? Right. But, but it's X Men versus X Men in a battle to the death, betrayed by Professor X. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like he's going to betray both teams. Uh, it does sound like it. Slightly misleading on the cover, but um, I think it's a pretty cool cover. I think the last page of ninety nine would have made a better cover. Uh, they should have just copied it, verbatim, yeah. like just taken it out, taken off the text, or I changed agree with the that. text. Yeah, that's a pretty cool cover. All right, so basically this issue is X-Men versus X-Men. We have lots of trash talk and posturing. We have, a lot, we have lots of fighting. Wolverine awesome. goes after Professor X, only to be surprised when Professor X stands up out of his chair and punches him. Oh, yeah, that's why he has the chair for the surprise effect. Gene yeah. telepathically attacks Wolverine, reducing him to his bare senses. And from that point, reason he's able to deduce the truth. He savagely murders Jean Grey, who's a robot. Dun dun dun. And we have X-Sentinels. So Lang had found Trask Research, but he decided he took it farther. He had a space station. Or no, we're in, I'm sorry. So <laughs> we're in the space station. The tubes weaken. Cyclops blast out and freeze the others. Lang uh, gets a flying gunship. Jean takes the controls telekinetically and crashes it, but so- somehow she shields him. But somehow he escapes the explosion. 
We go back to the shuttle. There's no hope to escape. So Gene telepathically learns how to fly it through the solar flares. And she locks everyone else in a life cell. Scott, of course, objects. So Gene knocks them out. Wolverine confronts Gene and Storm comforts her. And Gene flies a jet and they start to burn up in solar radiation. Gene flies a jet. Yes. Yeah. All right, so that about covers it. All right, and I wanted to kind of, I think we'd go back and talk about some of the individual fights. I do love this first double-page spread that Wolverine gets hit with a snowball. <laughs> I wrote that down, too. I thought that was a really funny thing. Also notice that Havoc and Lorna Dane are here. Yeah. All of a sudden. Which Randomly. Then that's why I said I kept thinking it was Eric the Red behind it all. That's another reason. I thought, well, okay, yeah. well, there you go. Now they're back. So they're there, and, and of course Colossus hits Havoc. I thought the Ice Man... All right, so we have Beast and Nightcrawler, which makes sense, because they're kind of... Uh, serve the Acrobatic. same purpose on the team anyway. Their suits are pretty similar. Does Beast look like this anymore, though? No. That was another my question. But, but, but see, none of the new X-Men would know that. Right, but well, I guess... No, they would. Because they'd seen him on the... But did they know it was Beast? Because he called him on the big screen. Yeah. To go after Count Nefaria. True, but I don't know. Yeah, because Wolverine says, "I've, I, you are." He says, "You are called the Beast, are you not?" I recognize you from some old photographs. Oh uh, yeah. So Wolverine knows that or this Nightcrawler, is the Beast. You mean. I mean, yeah. Sorry, Nightcrawler knows this is the Beast. But yeah, because he's. Oh, he's but already... he says, "But I thought you'd gone all hairy and joined the Avengers." Oh yeah, I missed that part about the hairy. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, so that's not even. So as the reader, that should have been. It's a clue. Had think, we been reading this, supposed to be a clue. yeah. Had we been reading yeah. this in '76, we would have been like, "Hey, that's not the real Beast," right. and that would have been our first clue that this is not actually the X Men. Right. So we have Wolverine. Um, and then Angel plays drums. He throws Wolverine into Colossus, <laughs> and we get a flam. Yeah, flam, flam, flam. And then Wolverine and Colossus kind of argue, but then we get the fastball special. Fastball special. Named. That that was really cool. Oh yeah, that's right. First time, yeah, because the other time they just called it seven. Maneuver seven, seven, yeah. yeah. It's a good first. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I thought Havoc blasting Colossus was awesome, so that fight was cool. And saying "Cry Havoc," quoting <laughs> Macbeth, I thought that was awesome. That's Macbeth, right? I think so. It's Cry Havoc and the right. dolls, dogs of war. Yeah, I think that's Havoc Macbeth. Anyway. Um, I mean, it's a little cheesy, but I thought right. it was kind of funny. So I, I like that Wolverine's the one that figures it out. Mm-hmm. You skipped the, was... the whole thing with this with Storm. Oh, I don't. Okay, is this in there? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the Storm kind of gets a feeling that something's amiss. Yeah, she kind of she can't to identify it. it. Yes, yeah, is there, Jean Grey's powers seem much weaker? Yeah. But he doesn't want to. But she doesn't want to hurt her. So she must use reason instead, which I thought was kind of weird. Right. No, you're my friend. But she says, you're not yourself at all, not your true self. Mm-hmm. And she almost says that she's an imposter, but then Polaris beats her with some iron beams. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty quickly, especially with the Beast thing, pretty quickly they're throwing clues that this is not oh, yeah. the actual Ackman, almost clues. immediately. Right. 
The part where Professor X stands up and punches Wolverine, I thought was funny. Yeah, funny. And the fact that the real Professor X, of course he can't stand up, even if he could. The fact that he could punch Wolverine and make him fly across the room is clearly that's not actually Professor X. All right, so this double-page spread where where Wolverine cuts open the, the robot Jean Grey. Yeah. There's a part of modern comics I enjoy where you know what comes when. I right. had so much trouble reading this page, like like as far as the order it goes in. Yeah, I I, I had to reread this like four or five times. Did yeah, you, me too. Did you have any trouble? I mean, I was a little confused. I liked I liked the it's page. cool. Yeah, and, and it, the story. I like that they kind of tell his story in a very quick one-page yeah. flashback. I just had trouble figuring out what order it went in. Yeah, I like that they're still sticking with the beat-up face. Yes, because he's missing a tooth. That was a nice bit of continuity. Yeah, I was confused in the bubbles. I didn't remember Kerbeau getting in the bubble. Oh, um, I'm not sure. Right, Professor. What's his name? Peter Corbeau. Yeah, Yeah, Peter Corbeau. Because in this, it looks like he's in the bubble. You got Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Doctor and. I guess Dr. Corbeau and then some other random guy. Right. But I don't know how they got in the tubes. And that all happened off panel, so it's is very possible that he was included in that. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. And there's some guy in a lizard outfit. That was strange. What? Where? Right between his legs. It looks like he's in a lizard outfit oh. to me. <laughs> it's Serpentor. Yeah. And the Statue of Liberty blowing up, I guess that was what was supposed to happen. Yes. And like you said, it was a, it was a weird panel. It's cool looking, but it's it's confusing a little bit. Yeah, I, that was really confusing. But I did think it was cool. Yeah. Um. So I think it's funny that they go, they go digging for survivors, and Wolverine just starts cutting into the debris with his claws. Yeah. Like what? If if there's actually a survivor under there, they won't be alive for long. Right. Wolverine's gonna cut them in half. And then I thought, okay, so is this? I think that's an added panel, too. Oh, is it? Oh, damn. Sorry. It's okay, man. It's not a big deal. All right, well, so is this conversation between Wolverine and Jean Grey added? Which one? When they're leaving. And Jean forces everybody out so she can fly. Um, Part of it is there. Part of it is not. Okay. She does force everybody out. Okay. But there's not a conversation between... This whole thing. This is gone. Uh, no, no, no that's all there. I'm sorry. No, that's oh, the all Wolverine Jean Grey dialogue is there? Yeah, yeah, that's there. Okay. And the Storm Jean Grey. I thought that was cool, kind of yeah. showing Jean's different relationships. I liked the pouty face that Jean Grey has. Is Storm always this before. much taller than Jean Grey? I don't know. She looks much taller, though. Anyway, I thought the art with the solar flares looked really cool. Yeah. And then I thought the cliffhanger was super nice. Yeah, it was a good cliffhanger. For all we know, Jean Grey's about to die. Okay, um, anything else you want to throw in? I I felt like that one... I thought I had more to say about that, but I guess we'll see. <laughs> I will also say there's an advertisement in here. The last advertisement of the comic, or second to last one, is one of a guy called Bullet Man, the human bullet, Uh-oh. blasts into the G.I. Joe super adventure team. Oh, wow. And you can... You free G.I. Joe action pack 
valued at over five dollars. <laughs> well, sign me up. Yeah. Anyway, that's not relevant to the comic, but yeah, that's okay. A lot of good ads in these old, yeah, these old things. Anyway, good. So, right. so what else you got? Oh, uh, now that's it. Uh, there's. No... Oh, there was one thing I thought was kind of funny when he says, where uh, Doctor Lang or yeah, Stephen Lang says something like, "This is the end of all the mutants," or something. Oh yeah, the extinction extinction of mutant kind, the extermination of mutant kind, and I thought. Does he think this is all the mutants there are? Because <laughs> he's going to kill all these guys? Because it was kind of a funny, like, this is the moment where I'm going to kill all the mutants. And it's like, well, you're going to kill these six, maybe. Right. And then there's a lot of other mutants out there. Yeah. And so I'm going to I'm gonna bitch about something and then immediately dismiss it. All right. Okay. I don't understand how these ex-Sentinels can have their powers. Yeah. I understand the physical aspect, but how can they simulate a robot to telepathically blast Wolverine? Yeah. And that makes no make sense to me. Sense. That said, I'm kind of glad it happened. <laughs> yeah. So, but I don't know, does Wolverine need to be, like, reduced to his primal senses to figure this out? No. I don't think so. I don't think I so. Think, I think just they should have smelled different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That should have been right off the bat. The smell, the sound. If this was a current story, this is exactly how it, they wouldn't be able to fool Wolverine. Because yeah. his, he would have smelled them and heard the difference in their voices. Right. That yeah, that minor was complaint weird. aside, um, I like this one a lot. Me too. Um, it's really good. So I feel like we should be saying more about it. But I don't really know what else to say. It's a straightforward story, which right. is also nice. Because some of the ones before, the last couple, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah, I mean, everything's kind of all the little, well, not all of them. But the bigger parts of the plot line are all coming together. Yeah, yeah. So there, you don't need, you don't have separate side stories, and there's a lot of big fight scenes, and of course the X Men on X Men, X Men versus X Men <laughs> fight scene, is uh, is is cool, even if it's not the real X Men. Right. Yeah, I mean that element of them having their powers doesn't make that much sense, at least in the case of like Jean Grey, or Polaris's ability to control the. The uh, magnetic forces and stuff, yeah. but it's still, I it's still really well done for a a plot point that may not quite make sense. It doesn't take enough. I mean, you know, you got to take all this. You you always have to a little bit of suspension of disbelief, and I could still accept it even if it doesn't make that much sense. But right, no, but I loved it. Um, I thought the art and the story were all fantastic. Yeah. So, um, anything else before we rate it? That's it for this one. Man, I feel like, I feel like we kind of shortchanged it somehow, but I guess, I guess it speaks for itself. So if you're not reading along, this is one you definitely want to read for yourself. I would say, yeah. You know, don't I mean, take, don't take our word for you it. Probably you probably want to read the three, the three leading up to this one. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know if this one would I mean, be well, as let's, good. Let's go ahead and say that. I was going to say that. Let's, let's get into that. Yeah. I feel like. Starting in 98, the 98, 99, and 100, first of all, you get three cliffhangers in a row. Like three pretty significant ones. Yeah. You have the one where they bust out the base and you don't know what's going on. And you open up the next issue with them in space. Yeah. Then you have the one where you end with the X-Men, old X-Men showing up to fight them. And you don't know what's going on. 
then you start off this next one, we're all fighting. Right. And then you end this one with them escaping, but into a solar flare, and Jean Grey was like, she's about to die. Yeah. So, A, that's... But I also feel like those three issues... I think all just keep building and building and building. Yeah, the momentum, and especially if you take the additions out of the classic yeah, X Men. Yes, especially it's, re- so. it's a really, and you know, reading this, one of the things that struck me is especially for comics in the seventies, these are really fast paced issues, right? Because you know, in the seventies, a lot of the comics are so wordy, right? There's so much talking, there's so much dialogue, and oh, there's a lot of dialogue in this too. It's not like it's Unlike the seventies, no, but it's exciting. But it's exciting, yeah. It, it moves. It's so st- you still feel like it's you moving really quickly. I feel like you know another thing I, I was kind of going to say, but I was going to get into it. I feel like these last three issues, Claremont really finds his stride, yeah, and really starts to separate himself as an X Men writer. Oh like, yeah, I would agree with I that. I feel like he first started, he was doing good, and he had a lot of his kind of Claremont ticks, mm-hmm. but. He's really kind of like setting up himself as a really good writer and as a writer that will be epic on X-Men for so long. It like really starts with about 98. Yeah. And, and this story really kind of cements his style, like the, the positive parts of his style. Because mm-hmm. he is wordy and is very verbose, but also very quick-paced. Yeah, and it's not like... That what... what, what what Chris Claremont does well beginning here, I think, is even though it's still wordy and verbose, it's not like bef- in some some of the writers before where it's like they're just telling you all this stuff that, that you don't need to know. Right. Like they're just giving you a tremendous amount of dialogue, describing things like how the power is working, all that stuff that we complained about in some of the previous episodes about right. them trying to give these long pseudo-scientific explanations. And it's like, there's no reason for this. Just say it happened or make it be realistic, you know, it doesn't right. really make, you know, so Claremont does a good job of not doing much of that. So it's still a lot of talking, but it's not so much of the unnecessary talking where you're, it's like an, someone dialoguing what's happening while it's happening. You're like, okay, thanks for the extra information. Right. All right. Well, all that said, I'm going to give X-Men number 103 out of three claws. Me as and well. A, a very strong three out of three claws. Yeah, definitely. Me as well. Three. All right, cool. Well, let's see where we go. It, al- it almost oh. makes me want to give 99 three just because it's part of this three issue arc. Well, really, yeah. 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 So. All right. Well, there, <laughs> that's, you have that from the, the horse's mouth. <laughs> X Men number 100 is both gets a very hearty three out of three claws from both of us. So let's find out what happens to Jean Grey, shall we? We shall. All right. So Cameron, tell us what happens in X-Men 101. I got to know what happens to Jean Grey. I got to know. I got to know. I got to know. Okay, 101. Chris Claremont, author. Dave Cochran, artist. Frank Chiaramonte, inker. Jay Costanza, letterer. George Costanza. Jorge Costanza, letterer. B. B. Wilford, colorist. And Archie Goodwin is the editor instead of Marv Wolfman. Been for a long time. Okay. That's not, yeah. Anyway. This cover is awesome. Awesome cover. (laughs) You got the X-Men drowning in the water and then the Dark Phoenix. Although she just called Phoenix Phoenix. yet, but she flies out of the water. Hair crazy. Full on Phoenix suit. 
one of my favorite of the Jean Grey uniforms, which <laughs> I heard someone on another podcast talking about uh, Cochrane designs. So apparently most of the big female characters he designed for Marvel and DC in the mid-70s, the belt sash is a very big part of that. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> and it's very much in play in the new Phoenix design uniform. But yeah, now this cover... In the Mutant Hours, I'm sorry, in the Mutant Heroes Hour of Maximum Peril, enter the Phoenix. Yeah, that was exciting. When yeah. I when I, when I I pulled up this cover, that was right. exciting. So I was like in the, uh, the movie X-Men 2 when they had the, the shadow of the Phoenix flying in the water. Yeah, was that, that two or three? Two. Okay. The three is when then she comes back oh, and she yeah. and it gets all stupid. But yes. the end is two, which was two is amazing. Yes, two is awesome. Hopefully, then, of awesome. This first page is awesome. Yes, with the shadow of her face, fiery, with the plane flying through it. Yeah, or not really a plane. It's, they call it's it a space shuttle, shuttle, I guess. Space shuttle. Is, yeah. All right. So what do we got? What happens in this issue? All right. So we open up in the midst of that chaos. Jean Grey's piloting the space shuttle through the space the solar storm and through the atmosphere while everybody else is hiding in some life cell life cell that's a radiation proof life cell where she's somehow blocking the radiation they believe she's going to she believes she's the only one who might possibly be able to do that the only one that has a chance has a chance there you go so she's doing well spirals around a little bit the landing doesn't quite stick the landing. Ship crashes. Everybody falls out. Although they don't land in the water. As the, Oh, yeah, they do. Never mind. Yeah, they do. They bounce across the runway. That's right. Bounces across the runway. Lands in the water. Cyclops jumps up. Everybody's like, oh, where is everybody? We survived. Where's Jean? And then suddenly out of the water flies Phoenix, which another amazing panel. Yes. She just flies out really of the water, awesome. decked out in the full suit. And she says, I am fire and life incarnate now and forever. I am Phoenix. Although it's not going to be forever, but. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the Phoenix is forever. The Phoenix is forever. Diamonds are forever. <laughs> Phoenix is a girl's best friend. <laughs> yeah. All right. So she's out, but then she's really weak and they, she collapses. So they take her to the hospital. Then we jump to the street where we have Wolverine and his full-on civvies with the cowboy hat and everything right but this is i mean this is one of the the very most classic logan looks yeah yeah i was gonna say because you have the the cool jacket kind of the western he's almost like indie western before indie western ever existed yeah well this is 70s western indie western is just 70s western brought back to the right to the most recent so without the irony, without the irony, yeah, <laughs> this is this is legit western. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah, because that was I forgot about the the Christmas panel in that first where he's in his civvies there too. But right, but in this one, this is we get a full on where it's a real thing where he's doing something in his outfit, he's playing out. So the conference, anyway. not to get too bogged down in the summary part, but conference really kind of worked out his facial structure better, yeah. I think. Yeah, this looks more like Wolverine than it did when he he was first. I agree, masked. and we don't, and I, it's probably just it may just be because of the hat, but you don't see the giant widow's peak. Right, we've ditched that, and I don't think it shows back up again, at least not as big. Right. 
So, but Wolverine buys some flowers and he's going to, I guess sounds like he's going to apologize to Gene for the way things went down. And he gets there and all the X-Men are there and for some reason he's surprised. And the narrator says, but you should be surprised because you've never had any friends. Which I thought was pretty <laughs> mean on the part of the narrator. But Right. Luckily, Wolverine can't hear this one about Cyclops good earlier. That's true. That's true. So they get to the hospital and everybody's there. And basically, doctor comes out and says, Jean Grey's pretty touch and go. She needs a lot of rest and a lot of friends. So Professor X and... Moira McTaggart basically decide to tell the rest of the X-Men that they need to leave, that they and Scott can handle it, or no, just that Professor X and Scott can handle it, and that all the rest of them need to go somewhere else. And Wolverine's not happy about that. He pulls his claws out, we get a full-on snicked, and then Professor Xavier lights him up, turns his claws pink briefly, (laughs) basically says, you can't do anything. And then Wolverine backs down. And then, luckily... Oh, wait, hold on. Do we get a snapped? We get, yeah, okay. snicked and then a snapped. All right, cool, all right. And then Banshee says, oh, by the way, I just got this letter saying that I inherited a castle, which is classic cartoonish. Right. Which, although I, I really like the story. I do, too. Now it does it, but it was really funny. It was like, oh, my family inherited a castle. Let's well, go check it out. But they, <laughs> Road trip. <laughs> they read it like... It was delivered to the delivery, like to the hospital. <laughs> like he just got it that second ago. Right. Or he just remembered it was in his pocket. You no, know like, it was. Oh, he's, been, he's, he's been sitting on this letter, like <laughs> waiting. Like, when can I talk about my letter? No, Jean Grey's really hurt. I can't talk about it now. Yeah. When can I talk about my letter? Okay. Uh, na- now. Hey, guys, I got this letter. <laughs> I've got a castle. How do you bring that up when you're in the middle of a fight? I don't know. Right, yeah. So, yeah. So, he says he's got a castle. And... He says, let's all go. So they and decide oh boy, to go. boy, does he. That's right. So they go on a plane, they go on a train, they go on an automobile, which I thought was really <laughs> a nice little... I don't know when that Steve Martin, John Candy movie came out, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I but, it was but I hope that it was... late 70s or early 80s. Probably. But it would have been nice if that was supposed to be that. But Right. Anyway. So we have some bumping that's going on. Apparently, Colossus makes a joke, and I'm not sure what the joke is, though. We'll come back to that in the weird parts. So it's a giant, fabulous castle right on the... He calls the car a torture chamber because Banshee's a bad driver. Yeah. Yeah. But he says the professor is not riding in this four-wheel torture chamber. I was like, is he joking that the professor has no feeling and it wouldn't bother him? <laughs> like, that's, that's a weird joke yes, to make. Yes, what a douche. <laughs> Strange. Klaus is a subject dick. <laughs> well, he's a Soviet. Oh. Uh, commies yeah there you go just kidding so i mean he wasn't soviet but the um yes so they get to the castle this magnificent castle we have who we assume is black tom well actually just calls him black tom is yelling at the groundskeeper or something (laughs) to basically go invite all them in so they do they come into the great hall everybody's impressed everybody's impressed with banshee because now he's awesome and then we have a classic shower scene for yeah, some reason. Right. Storm's like, oh, I'm in this place and I feel creeped out, so I'm going to get naked and take a shower. Right. With her own shower, though. Yes, her own shower. Leading you to believe that she's outside somewhere. Or no, she's pulling the moisture out of the air. Castles are humid. I guess that's it's drafty. 
It says a summer shower, like she's outside. But yeah, she's clearly not outside, but it yeah. sounds like that. But she didn't even have the decency to like go use the bathroom. Yeah. Or she's taking it out in the middle of the, the... Maybe she's on the balcony or something. I don't know. Anywho. Either way, she's naked. I know, with lots of hair flowing, covering all the all her bits and pieces. Yes. But it was it was very funny. It was like a... I don't know. This this story felt very classic. Like we're at the ho- we're at the castle now. So we're getting checked in. There's a creepy villain no one knows about yet. <laughs> Which, by the way, didn't the lawyer warn him about Black Tom? I thought that's what he said. I've warned your cousin. But then he was supposed to remember that maybe Black Tom stopped the letter, scratched that part out, and then sent the rest of it. Maybe know. it sounds like it didn't sound like that. But yeah, it sounds like he doesn't know. Anyway, so naked storm. She gets all fancied up. Nightcrawler shows up. They decide to get dressed up fancy. They go to dinner. And then when they get there, it's Black Tom, the cousin of Sean Cassidy. Okay, but this is where we find out who Wolverine really is. Who Wolverine really is? Yeah, his secret identity. What? We we know You're making a joke here, but I don't I don't (laughs) He's Burt Reynolds. Just go for it. <laughs> that Black Tom is Burt Reynolds. No, Wolverine. Wolverine is Burt Reynolds. Oh, that panel's not in here. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it oh, is. that's I so know funny. That's in there. Yeah. That is Burt Reynolds. Good stuff. So we haven't we haven't revealed. We don't know Wolverine's real name yet, but it's Burt Reynolds. We do know that he is Burt Reynolds. So Black Tom, Juggernaut, Juggernaut, Juggernaut says that he's the stepbrother of. Professor X was that already revealed by this point? Yes. I guess it was. Yeah, I was. I was some reason I was thinking that was a later reveal, but nope, that is that's there. And then they put him in the dungeon, and of course, Storm, who's told us in almost every issue since he's been introduced that she's claustrophobic, they put her in a cell and she screams no, and everyone else like, huh? can't believe she's screaming. Right. So, overall. Are funny, interesting points. What do you want to bring out? Aside from the fantastic panel, several fantastic panels. Yeah, uh, my first note we already kind of hit. Page one is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, As is page seven. Yes. Where she bursts out of the water. That's only page five for me. Oh yeah, there's like nineteen ads in this thing. Uh, okay, all right, yeah. There's already been three ads by that. So point. when the X Men first come out of the water, that was funny. <laughs> Because, you know, they all have, like, wet hair and stuff. And then Wolverine's fins are, like... <laughs> they're flopped to the yeah, side. they're flopped. That was pretty funny. Um, what else? So we find out... We get a lot of insight into Wolverine. Not all of it is great. I did think it was cool that Dr. Corbeau decides he's going to cover for the X-Men. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. So, yeah, that they... It just turns out he's the only survivor... And the other people all died, but they weren't any other people. So you have all this stuff about Wolverine not having any friends and never being in love. And some of that gets retconned out. So that was kind of weird. It says life and death. It's all the same to you. It's meaningless as casually disposed of as a bunch of flowers, which I guess kind of fits him then. But not really, because talking about all the efforts he's gone to to not be that way. Right. To not be a killer anymore. Right. With the praying and the drug therapy and all that he talked about. I thought that was I, I thought that was a weird statement. I thought that was overplaying overplaying his 
Because that's almost like he's a psychopath. Right. And it's like they've, they've gone to great lengths to establish that he's not, that he does actually care about people. Right. Because he cares about Gene Gray, the reason he's on the team in the first place, right. all of that. So that was, I thought that was weird that they put that in there. Yeah. And so also on that page, we find out that pretty much everybody's in love with Gene Gray. Yeah, it sounds that way. <laughs> I mean, Wolverine's buying her flowers. Although I seem like I think he meant more as a friend or as a. But see, I don't know because it says I loved as much as you. We don't know yet. We find out later that Professor X and Mora Mentagra were yeah. lovers. But by this point, he he had just talked about her as being a dear friend. Right. I don't know. The way it's bolded, I don't. I think it's to, other writers definitely come back to this. So yeah, it's interesting that it's here. Also, there's some bad art in the hospital. I think Scott's face looks really weird. His glasses are really spread apart. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, and then when the X Men find out Jean Grey's okay, I wrote X Men Gone Wild. <laughs> I night crawl once. I don't know what he's doing there. It looks like he's riding a horse, but there's no horse under him. Yeah, it was that was a weird panel. And Professor X doesn't look relieved or yeah, happy. He looks he a little looks stressed like, out. Oh man! Oh, let's back up really quick for a second okay. because one of the things I was going to say was funny is when they when they find Jean Grey in the the Phoenix, she comes out of the water and they pick her up, and the first thing Cyclops says is her costume. And then Scott says, I know, Colossus, there are more questions here than we can handle right now. Jean's creating a costume out of nothing, using powers she never had before. It's like, why is the costume the first thing that everybody's talking about? It's like she just survived. She just flew out of the water and right. with new powers. She piloted a ship through all this stuff. And it's like, hey, she's got a different costume on. I mean, it's kind of tacky. I guess it, just, it was really str- that was a really funny thing to, to be like I mean she's wearing a sash all of a sudden I mean true everyone's gonna notice that but it's funny that as a reader we can see she's in a costume right that's kind of the dialogue like I talked about that the 70s real bad about saying things that you don't really need them to say right like she's in a new costume yes we're looking at the panel <laughs> unless I'm like oh that looks like her old costume anyway that's a that's a small thing to complain about. But. Yes. So the best thing about this one, the two best things, the random shower scene, which is funny. We talked uh, about that already. The snick and snack is one of my favorite things. That, we find that out was the good, sound too. It makes when the claws go back Snicked in. and snacked. That was pretty good. You should change the name to the snick snack cast. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby water snick snack. <laughs> snick snack, snick snack. That, and then the great use of Nightcrawler's Image enhancer or image inducer. Image inducer, yes. So let's talk about that now. Okay. Because I like that he he goes through the Gone with the Wind guy. Who's that? Cary Grant? Rhett Butler. Rhett Butler. Oh, well. What's his name in this? I don't remember who the actor is. I don't remember. Cary Grant sounds He's right. frankly Why Starlet. Not? And then he jumps to, I think it's Fred Astaire. Yes. And then Groucho Marx for some right. reason. And then he settles on his usual Charles Bronson. No, and then that was Errol Flynn. I think that's supposed to be, I don't know. I don't know that it's supposed to be Charles Bronson, but it looks like Charles Bronson. I think it's Errol Flynn. I think it's the same guy he was in the hospital. Yeah, but he always looks like Charles Bronson. Oh. I think in all these, from the very beginning, I think he looks like Charles Bronson. Okay. I think it's supposed to be Errol Flynn. Maybe so. Okay. <laughs> but I laughed about that oftentimes to think about, because Charles Bronson is hilarious, that you, if someone would choose that. 
I'm assuming it's in a hairspray and the storm is using lightning to keep her hair like that. <laughs> I would think so. I like how from the back she looks topless. <laughs> yeah, she's supposed to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you don't really find out yet exactly what the Phoenix does. And we get another cliffhanger with another a big little story plot with the Black Tom and Juggernaut. I liked that, that panel too. Yeah. With Black Tom and Juggernaut. Cocker's they both Juggernaut's look, pretty cool. They both look really cool. So uh, I I made a note, but I don't remember why. I wrote I was gonna say something about uh, Banshee saying, "Is that Mr. Scaris, Tom? Do you plan to talk to us to death?" Then <laughs> I don't really know what I was gonna say, but there was something funny there. Oh yeah, I think you said you had a great joke. Oh, that was the Burt Reynolds. That was Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, I should I should have called that or caught that. Yeah, I think overall the the art is. Is, is hit and miss on this one too. Yeah, it's a little iffy on this one. It's weird because there's a couple of there, amazing panels. Yes. And I then, feel like he spent all his time on the first page. Yeah. And then Claremont called and said, hey, is that issue about done? He's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, I think he had the he had the cover, that first page, and then this when the reveal of the Phoenix. And yes. then maybe the final one with Black Tom and Juggernaut. Yeah. And then all the rest of the art is... is Pretty iffy. I mean, it's not bad. No, it's not bad. It's just not as good. Well, and and the Wolverine walking through the town looks really cool. That's really good art. Yeah, and the castle. I mean, there's it's 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 a mix. There's a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad. Not even even the bad stuff's not bad, but no, but it definitely goes back to his form before the last few issues where he really really picked up. All right, anything else on this one? I like this one a lot. I did too. It's, like it it's hard to say. It's hard for me to, to... I don't know, because it's... The stuff at the hospital is kind of weird. And it's I didn't like strange. that as much. Because the way they do it, the, the Wolverine and the flowers, which is kind of funny, but then the whole idea that Professor X needs to get rid of them. Like, that they have to go somewhere. Right. It's kind of odd. Because it's like, okay, I get the idea that, oh, we, we can't run the team... But why does that mean they have to go away? Why can't they also still be there to visit Jean right. and try to help? Well, because Professor X loves her. But Scott's going to stay there. Yeah. I don't know. And more does she stay? More, I believe so, yes. I think she stays too because she she's not at the castle. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of a weird a weird moment. But then I liked this the stuff at the castle. I don't know. To this one, I, I liked it a lot. It was a little more cheesy, but... Not in a bad way. It was a, yeah, it was a little campy, I think. Yeah, but yeah, but done well. Seventies right. campy that that didn't didn't really lose too much. And I think that it definitely seems like it's setting it up. Yes, and it's, again, it's a it's a setup issue where it's like yeah, kind of the end of the lot. one and then the beginning of next. We're moving, we're moving into kind of a new new phase in some of the characters. Yeah, but I, I liked it. It's a it's a good episode. Yeah, well, I I actually gave it three out of three claws. Uh, it's not quite as exciting to me as 100. Yeah. But to me, just a seeing Wolverine in, in classic Wolverine civilian clothes, and then the re- the reveal of the Phoenix, who's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. I don't know. To me, I just the the, the parts I didn't like didn't detract me enough from the parts I really really loved. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I'm gonna. I'll give it a, a three. It's a bit more of a soft three than right. than I think the last couple, but right. But it's definitely for the the moments of greatness with the reveal of the phoenix. 
and then I liked all the other stuff. The hospital stuff's the only thing I didn't like as much, but right. I, I understand it. It just, it was just kind of weird, right. I think. But but it didn't really well, take it was away. Cool. It was cool because I, I guess for this team, this new team, this is really kind of the first downtime story we got, yeah, which is a Claremont a staple. Uh, yeah. That's something. That's true. Yeah. So Yeah, I was going to say, especially after, after a, such a fast-paced three issues in a row. Right. To kind of have one where it's a bit more time to reflect and set up some new stuff, I I was, I think it made it made sense. It was, it was a good yeah, good issue. All right, cool. So for those keeping score at home, Cameron and I both give X Men one hundred one three out of three claws. All right, so that's going to do it for uh, the X Men in Wolverine Year Two. And in case you're wondering, you're like, well, that's only six issues. That's because. At this point, when X-Men kind of relaunched back into original issues, you know, they did the giant size, and that went much better than they expected, really. So they re-brought the series on, but it didn't go monthly. It went uh, bi-monthly. That, that's every other month, right? Or is it semi-monthly? I so. Bi-monthly, I think. So they only came out every other month. So that's why we only did six issues. But in addition to the uh, X-Men stories... Wolverine also made a small cameo in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 161. So we're going to talk about that real briefly. That is written by Lynn Wine. So we have a guy who's familiar with Wolverine. Uh, illustrated by Ross Andrew, the embellisher, which I'm guessing is the inker. Or maybe, the, so. maybe is Mike Esposito. Glennis Wine is a colorist. And Irv Watanabe is a letterer. So on the cover, we have Nightcrawler, who's going to be the main X-Men who actually appears in the story arc. Uh, he has Spider-Man in a headlock, and they're on top of a Ferris wheel. And we have a Promise of the Punisher also showing up inside. And the cover is by Gil Kane, inked by John Romita. So it's a pretty nice cover overall. Did you like the cover? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. All right, so basically what happens is Nightcrawler's hanging upside down. And re- he's reading a newspaper. <clears throat> he sees something that bothers him. Okay, so the X-Men are in a gym. I don't know if sure what's... supposed to be the danger room, but... But it, I don't think it is. But it looks it, very gymish, so maybe Yeah, not. and it says it's in a gymnasium. So I don't know if there's like an extra gym in the mansion that's maybe not the danger room. Maybe just yeah. a workout place. But anyway, Wolverine's really mean to Nightcrawler. <laughs> And he he says, uh, is Nightcrawler's like, Nibrakat! Colossus says, is there something the matter, Nightcrawler? And Nightcrawler's like, nine, nine, please, ah, forget my outburst, Colossus. It was merely or something I noticed in the newspaper. Wolverine's like, you're kidding. So now Dear Abby sets you howling, huh? And he jumps up and he snicks with one claw. Do you think that was pretty interesting, that, or, or cool, and that in Spider-Man, we already are establishing... That's already crossed over, I guess. Yeah, the one claw. Yeah, the claw to time thing. So I tell you, misfit, you've been hanging around upside down for so long, I think all the blood is rushing to your bushy little head. So I was kind of annoyed that he called him misfit and not elf, but that's just an X-Men fan yeah. being ticky-tacky. Well, you think with Lynn, Lynn Wine being the writer... Yeah. But maybe that was Claremont that introduced the elf. I think so, but still... Yeah. But yeah, you should have. But Nightcrawler gets really offended, and then Wolverine gets 
All panel doused with Joker gas. <laughs> now I gotta say, this is a uh, Ross Andrews' first go around and drawing Wolverine, and if he never draws him again, I will be a okay with that. Yeah. He looks dumb with this panel when he's laughing. He looks really dumb when he's yelling at Nightcrawler in the panel below yeah. that. The first panel of him, or the second panel of him, is not bad, where he's got the one claw. Yeah, it's okay. Although the one claw is kind of silly. In that scenario, it's kind of silly. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I agree with you. Other, of all those other ones, he's really stupid. Right. Anyway, so they all argue Wolverine has a really bad attitude, even probably even worse of an attitude than he's had in X-Men so far. Yeah. It's a Nightcrawler. Well, he's just kind of a jerk in this one. It's not even yeah. like... Because normally it's like, you know, brooding, brooding, grumpy guy. Right. Who talks tough. But this is just kind of like he's just being a jerk. Uh, yeah, he's a complete dick in this yeah. issue. All right, so that's all we have in Wolverine. So basically he gets <laughs> us to not leave you hanging. Nightcrawler runs off. What he read in the papers, one of his old friends from the German circus who had moved to New York was shot by a sniper and there's been a sniping spree in New York and we have a classic misunderstanding where Spider-Man thinks that Nightcrawler is the assassin and Nightcrawler thinks that Spider-Man is the assassin and Punisher thinks they're both the assassin and then it turns out it's Jigsaw yeah. and in 162 we get the conclusion that actually the uh, first introduction of Jigsaw's first appearance is in 162 so um his first appearance wasn't in Punisher? No. No. Nope. It was weird. an amazing Spider-Man 162. Because oh. we're still a good, probably almost, not quite 10 years before Punisher gets his miniseries. Because that was 84? Oh, yeah. That's true. Something like that. Maybe in 82 or 83. When, this is weird. When did Punisher get introduced? Do you know? Uh, Spider-Man 1... Oh, crap. 127? Let me uh, Google it real fast. I'm pretty sure it's 127. Yeah, you're probably right. Punisher. First appearance. It is not on the cover. 129. I'm sorry. 29. So okay. Amazing Spider-Man 129. So that's 1974. Okay. So he's... Fr oh, yeah. There you go. That's the, the famous cover there. That's, yeah. So he's fresh from the war. Fresh from the Vietnam War in that case. Right. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I, I really dislike the way he drew Punisher as well. Oh, the Ross Andrew? Ross yeah. Andrew's not my favorite of the classic <laughs> Spider-Man artists. Yeah. He's not bad. His Spider-Man's Spider okay. And his Spider J. Jonah Jameson's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. But his Punisher looks like a weirdo. He makes his Punisher look really old. Yes, he does. It's like, if, this is 1976. This is a guy who... Fought in Vietnam like five years ago. Yeah, but all the the really old Punisher appearances make him look older. Yeah, his first appearance, he looks pretty old too. I guess that's true. And he's got some weird gun that doesn't look real. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't actually read these, but I'm going to go ahead and give my rating. Um, I gave both Amazing Spider Man 161 and 162 two out of three claws. Though. If I was ranking them just on Wolverine, I would have given them both zero. Yeah, me too. The Wolverine appearance in here is, is ridiculously crappy. Yeah. It's almost like Lynn Wine was just like... I feel like he got sour I grapes. I stick Wolverine <laughs> like, in here. I wanted Wolverine to be this, and Chris Claremont went and did something else, so I'm going to I'm gonna go back to this thing. I don't know. I, 
I'm assuming, hopefully, that they weren't that petty in the Marvel you offices. Think so, but, but it almost feels like that because this is, I mean, this is, is this the first Wolverine appearance outside of X Men other than his first one? Yes. Because this is a terrible appearance. Yeah, it is. Well, the thing to me, like, you know, we'll talk about this when we do our year end review of his of Wolverine's second year. We'll go more into exactly like his character development yeah. over that year. But to me, there's if I'm amazing, if I'm a Spider-Man fan, I'm not reading X-Men. Okay, if I read this book, Nightcrawler in this story is very intriguing. That's cool because Nightcrawler is like my second favorite of the new X-Men. Also a great character. So I, I love seeing him get a nice, really like a two-issue spotlight in a Spider-Man. Yeah, that's really cool. That might make me want to read X-Men. Okay, Wolverine's appearance does not make me want to ever read Wolverine again. No, and especially for what. For what will eventually become arguably the most popular X-Men. Right. Possibly the most popular Marvel character, at least pretty yeah. close to it. Yeah, definitely. Him this and Spider-Man. This is a, a sure. terrible first appearance in Spider-Man. Right. Because drawn terrible, he doesn't do anything. It's it's almost like what was the, even the point of doing that? Why didn't they just have, other than just situating... Nightcrawler in the X-Men. I think the only reason they put him in there is I guess they felt like Nightcrawler couldn't just read the article and leave. Like, he had to storm off for some reason. Which, I'm going to question Wine's, um, or when Ween, whether it's Ween or Ween or Wine, whatever. I don't really feel like that story beat had to be in there to move the story along. I feel like they wanted to introduce the X-Men to, to Spider-Man fans. Yeah. And the Nightcrawl well, was, was part of the story, it. and Colossus and Wolverine were just kind of there. And Colossus, you know, fine. He's just lifting really heavy dumbbells, so who he really looks cares? Cool, so yeah. Fine. But Wolverine... Uh, see, it almost makes me feel like they were hoping his appeal was with how jerky he is. And maybe originally that was part of it, but that's never really been his appeal to me. No. Like, it's always been the complexity of the character. Because we talked about when we did his first appearance, how he was pretty complex out of the gate. Well, maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's where Lynn Wine was wanted to emphasize more his attitude and him being a jerk. I mean, I don't know, but, but see, you're I right. feel like this isn't really even though a separation from his first appearance, yeah, which I Lynn Wine right. wrote. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so the Wolverine part of the, the issues, grapes thing. yeah, that's a better story, I think. They get zero claws, but the issues overall were pretty good. Pretty good, you know, mid-70s Spider-Man stories. The amazing Spider-Man 161 and 162, I both gave two out of three claws. All right, so let's wrap this up. Okay, so that pretty much uh, is all the issues uh, in Wolverine's second year of publication. So let's hit... Well, first of all, um, if you can say, out of... The six X-Men books we read and the two Spider-Mans that I read, you kind of skimmed over. What would you say out of those eight issues, do you have a favorite? I guess 100 okay. would be the favorite. But, I mean... It was mine, too. But, I, but I, I was just... I prefaced that by saying, but without the three, that three arc, 100, 100 is not... It's a great issue, but it's not really a standalone issue. No, it's, it's literally not. just fighting. Right. So, I, I don't know. I, I guess that's probably my favorite, but I also really liked 98. Okay. So I'll, I'll say 98, just so we don't agree with everything on okay. this, on this right. podcast. So, 
<laughs> I'll say with 98 because I liked how fast paced that was and right. how, how well that was done. Okay. Did you have a, and we'll probably agree on this one, your least favorite? Oh, clearly the 97 or 96. 96, I mean. yeah. yeah. That was just bad. Okay. Did you have a favorite cover? Do you remember the one, one strike you in particular? Um, say yours and let me, let me look. Well, mine, quick. even though, even though we talked about how the power doesn't really work. My favorite cover was 97 with Cyclops and Havoc facing off and Storm and That's Colossus running too. behind him. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with 101, though. Okay, with that's the Phoenix, with the Phoenix coming out coming of the out. water. Yeah, that was my second. That one, I think that's going to be my favorite one. Because, I mean, I like the Havoc one, too, but Storm saying he has to fight it alone, that's kind of silly. I think. <laughs> yes, that was. I kind of dismissed it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's highlight quickly, kind of summarize what we found out about Wolverine in, number, in year two, and then we'll talk about his character arc so we found out that he had he's been dealing with anger issues for a while yeah at least 10 years and trying to correct them not just yes. that he's been angry but that he's been working on right he's been working very hard things yeah we see him at it we actually see what he looks like so don't know who he clothes. is so don't know a civilian i mean besides the burt reynolds part right. we don't know a civilian identity or whatever but we we see him we know what he looks like now for the first time but it seems interesting for a Marvel character that they go, especially a hero, that you go a year without seeing his face. I thought that was, doesn't really happen that much back then or yeah. anymore. It's so, kind of um, weird. And we know that the claws are definitely not only retractable, but they're not part of his gloves, they're part of his hands. Right. Because there is a thing you could say that they're, they come in and out, which we didn't know at first, but it's just in the, it's a special glove right. in the closet. But we know, no, they're part of him. Yep, out of his skin. And we get the fastball special gets the name. Fastball special. Those are, oh, oh we, the snacked, we get the snick and snack. Snick, snack. Are the sound effects. Snick, snack. All right, anything I left out, just like, as far as knowledge-wise? I don't know that it's brand new, but we get more of the depth of his relationship with Jean Grey. Okay, yes. Because I think before well, that, had, wasn't it extra? Well, no, but we had talked about not remembering it being this old. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I didn't mean to talk about that. I was surprised, having not read these in such a long time, I'd forgotten how soon that concept was introduced. Yeah. And not counting the, the retcon stuff we read. Like this right. was in the issue. And for me to see that in 101, I was a little surprised. Yeah, but now it makes the stories that I read later, like in the early 2000s, make more, more sense. Yeah. Because, oh, that actually is something that actually happened. Yeah, I so. agree. Yeah, so that was that was interesting because we get not even just like a crush, but like a, a real deep feeling, right. I think. All right, so this, this second year of Wolverine, what do you think of his kind of progression or if you think lack of progression or whatever and how does it compare to do you think it fits the character I think I like I like what, what Chris Claremont's doing with him I do too I like that he takes him he makes him even more complex you can tell that he's setting up he's setting up Wolverine for more development with especially like the I've been working on this for all these years right so we know for sure that he's much older we know for sure that he's dealing with these issues, and it's something he that he want. He's intending to try to get better. You know that that whole idea of him trying to be better. 
I think is really opening the door for a lot of what a lot of what I think of Wolverine from my time reading it when I was younger is that that idea of him working with Professor X to to try to recover his memories and try to deal with his anger issues, right. find his path. I feel like we're we're moving in that direction. That and though they haven't really talked about his past, but no, you, I get the feeling, and maybe I'm retconning that myself, but <laughs> I get the feeling that that's where we're going with this. That no, yeah, be, well, I mean, I definitely feel like I feel like the first several issues, other than the part about the ten years thing. I feel like the first handful, we'll say uh, 96 through 96, well, I guess just the first two, I don't feel like they really go that much further than what we've had. But they, we start picking up 97, 98, 99. Uh, well, no. So 98, 99, 101. I feel like those four in particular really set the stage for where Wolverine's going to go. Yeah. I feel like we're already starting to see... We don't know the circumstances. But we're already starting to see kinds of development. And in 101, we really see it with the whole, like... He feels dejected. He kind of has mixed right. feelings about Gene. And then, but, but then going and having fun with the X-Men and the yeah. castle. You know? So, I think it definitely fits. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, Claremont... Definitely has a plan. Yeah. yeah I think I you get can tell as a reader he has a plan. Not just for Wolverine, for all these characters. Right. I feel like he's really laying... Like it took him a couple issues to really get like his feet solid on the ground with the X-Men. I think by issue 98, we were seeing the Claremont we're going to see for a long time start to take root. Yeah. And so I think all these characters are are going places and Wolverine... All right, so just just in these the second year, and it's gonna be kind of hard because we know how it turns out. Right? Do you see? Do you see at this point Wolverine becoming the most popular X Men, or is there someone else you think that if you were reading, if we had stopped here, that you thought we maybe would have gone on to Bennett instead? Yeah, I I feel like. I want to say yes, that I still think he's set up to be, because of the the depth of the background, because of just, especially in that one scene where they're, where he breaks free from the right. the wall, and then he's taunting them, and, and just, you know, tears up that sentinel like it's nothing. Right. I feel like they're really setting him up to be really powerful. Okay. You know, compared to even, even like a Cyclops, Cyclops, um, a Colossus who's super powerful and a great character, but do much with him. And so far in, you know, up to, up to this point, right. Cause this is year two. Well, I guess this is year one of Colossus. We're still working on his first year, but, right. but you know, Colossus, there's not much to him yet. I mean, he's Russian. It turns into steel. He seems nice poetry and he gets some stuff, but you know, and like Kurt, uh, Nightcrawler, Kurt, and all the characters storm, I think is probably the, the second most developed, I think. Okay. As far as becoming a popular character, but I, I still I I would still say it's Wolverine. Okay. And Cyclops is too much. He's the most. He's one of the most developed. I think. Yeah, but he's got a lot of history at this. He's point He's got a lot already. of history, and he's too much of a baby to ever really be the famous to be the the most popular because he's too. Baby's not the right word, but he's too like. 
remorseful and intense and you know so most people tend not to i think most people would tend not to identify with cyclops as much because of that they like him but yeah i don't know i i think if you look at i guess just straight what sells issues i would i'd probably say cyclops is probably number two to wolverine yeah you're probably most popular x-men no, Storm and Jean Grey both right there behind yeah. him. And or, I'd like Cyclops Jean Grey a lot, she's too. Here. She's dead most of the time. Right. And uh, I, spoiler. I uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, no, no I, I, I was pretty happy with where we are at the end of his second year. I feel like he's in, he's in a good place and the table's set. You know, it's kind of weird that we haven't had more appearances, but that's just kind of the nature of, of the X-Men being by monthly. Yeah, so, that's true. That limits. So limits we don't have as much opportunity to tell as many stories. Yeah, it'll be interesting but, to see where yeah. he's, when he starts showing up in other comics. Well, I was going to say, that was actually that was coming out of my mouth. It'll be oh. interesting to see like at what point he starts getting put in. Like we're like, oh, obviously we need Wolverine on the cover. Right. Like when does that really take shape? Yeah. So, but yeah, cool. Okay, well, um, let's go over the uh, formalities. Um, please uh, leave me an iTunes review. Um, you can visit the website at snickcast.podbean.com and get show notes. Email snickcast at yahoo.com or on Twitter at snickcast. Facebook page is facebook.com slash snickpodcast fan page. And Cameron plug and shit. Uh, you can follow me at Cameron Sinclair if you want to, but uh, you should. more importantly, you can go to uh, my website, historybanter.com. You can follow us at History Banter. Uh, we have a podcast that we do interviewing, not you, and me and Jason, but no. me and another guy. Uh, and although Jason will be on one in the future, uh, where we review history movies, movies based on historical themes and kind of compare them to the real history. And uh, we've been doing some history movie showdowns where we're comparing ones about the same things to kind of see which one's more historically accurate and which one's more interesting. So if you like history and like interesting history stories, uh, check, check us out. And you should. So, all right. Well, uh, we're going to cut it there. It was a, a long episode, but not nearly as long as it could have been. So uh, <laughs> be grateful for that. All right. We will uh, catch you guys next time. I don't know what will be next for me. Um, but it'll be something. Something Wolverine related, you can be sure. <laughs> so, um, I will see you when I see you. Thanks, Thanks again. Bye.